So before we proceed to give you what you need, wanted to hit you with this little disclaimer here. Uh, during the intro segment, I was having some issues with my mic, which we worked out. Um, but I just wanted to let you know during the intro segment, if you hear some weird glitching with my mic, don't tap out right after that. Once we get into everything, um, we fix it. So that's about it, guys. Enjoy. Battleline podcast, uh, really exciting episode. And uh, yeah, we got Sean Lake coming on this uh, this show and we'll get into a whole lot of different things. But uh, for the new listeners, I'm Ian Scotto. I'm Chris Peranto, Tonto, the Tontizzle. <laughs> and uh did you put that on there that it says tonto? Yeah, I put the <laughs> I just noticed that. That's great. Um but yeah, this is really, you know, we'll get into it in the intro, but uh the show is really your source for special operations military news, firearms stuff, um and in-depth interviews with guys in the community. Um before we get into everything, Bubs Naturals, you're going to hear a lot more about this show. So I'm not going to go really in depth here, but it's a product that you and I have been using at this point. I know I have for years. Oh, yeah. Actually, I started using it last year, and you can't see that. You can't see the guns, but I'm showing them. Not, it's, it's, when it's, video happens, we will Yeah, that's where I'll wear my, I'll wear my, my spaghetti strapped uh, tank top. But no, Bubs has been fantastic. I got on it last year. Um, you know, you're the one that turned me on to it was Ian. And then, you know, of course, with the, with the reason behind as well, calling it Bubs after Glenn Bub Doherty, who, who fought with me uh, in Libya in 9-11-2012 and who lost his life defending the consulate. Um, that was a big deal. Of course, that was a seller. But when I got into it, I have a hard time. In fact, I can't take any protein. I've, I've never found one because of my ulcerative colitis, which ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, it's an inflammation of the gut and, and it gives you in, inflammatory bowel disease. It is a form of that. Um, this is the only protein that has never inflamed it caused me to have flare-up or hurt my stomach so it's like man well, I, I gotta take it and i've been taking for the last year and it is it's it's made a heck of a difference you know as far as you, i can even just see in the mirror that i'm getting muscle mass back as i'm getting older i was losing it and you know i won't i won't take the the free testosterone stuff we've had our conversations on that before me and him. <laughs> but um as a protein powder, I needed something. And then also the, uh, the, uh, the, it, it shouldn't call it pre-workout, but there's stuff you can take the powder that you take prior yeah, the to M MCT oil, MCT oil. Um, that's been a fantastic pre-workout, uh, a supplement as well. And I just put it in my coffee and it tastes great. It actually makes my coffee taste better. So, um, I put a scoop in, uh, one scoop of each of my coffee in the morning and then one scoop of, of uh, each before I work out. And it's been tremendous. Yeah, I've seen the results and I'm back to really getting back into really good shape again, running four miles and coming back and working out in my gym and running another an hour of sprints in between stations in my little gym downstairs. So guys, try it. If you have IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, I think this is something that you can still take and it won't hurt your stomach. And the MCT oil with the coconut oil, there's coconut, res coconut oil in it. That is also, um, if you're uh, into the, uh, wh what's the word I'm looking for, for the uh, the therapeutic, the homeopathic. It's not homeopathic, but it's natural. But it's natural. Yeah. Is that right? You corrected me on one time too, but the uh, coconut oil is supposed to help repair your gut and help with, uh, with the... Uh, 
with the, with inflammatory, inflammatory bowel disease or Crohn's disease. So um, I, I have, I've, and I have been great. My stomach's been great. I don't get upset stomachs anymore. So that along, you know, and we'll give Ned, Ned a shout out too right now, even though it's, this is a pub thing, but that along with Ned's have now been my, you know, it's, it's a healthy lifestyle and it's, it has made a world of difference. And I can, like I said, I can see it just in my, just in my own phys- physicality. That's my word. My own physicality that I can, I'm actually getting, getting myself back into great shape. And Bubs is huge with that. So IBD, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, guys, we have and that. Even, even if you're just lactose sensitive at all, I mean, yeah. there's been a yeah. ton of whey proteins I've had, and I don't have any issues usually where, yeah, it hurts my stomach. Never with Bubs. Never, never. So that's, I've given them enough there, Bubs. You've been awesome. You guys are fantastic. They're tremendous. And it's for a great cause. 10% of that goes back to, veteran run foundations and a lot of that goes well, back it, to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Yeah, Glenn Foundation. Doherty Memorial Foundation yeah. you know unlike and I'm not gonna you know maybe we'll mention it with Sean but there's there have been products put out with Glenn Doherty's name on it using his you know using his yeah. alias and all that and none of the money goes to anyone and that's wrong and, and that is not what Sean is doing Sean always gives back so oh, Sean's Sean was one of Glenn's best friends if not his best friend so yeah of course it's, it's going back to Bubs and that's that's verified guys it's not just something we're putting out there that's going hit money does go back to the gdmf foundation yep so uh that that sums it up we're going to get more in depth with it with sean but go to bubsnaturals.com use the promo code battleline and you're gonna get 20 percent off that's with the mct oil with the uh protein the uh, collagen protein check them out bubsnaturals.com promo code battleline and as always every show is sponsored by fort scott munitions Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. It was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. And it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states. Just go to fortscottmunitions.com. That's fortscottmunitions.com. Go to the dealer locator on the website, and you're going to find a dealer right by you. And if you want to order some gear from them, uh, exclusive of the ammo, go to fortscottmunitions.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of this podcast, the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. Let's hit it with that music from Jimmy Allen. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. 
Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. <laughs> you are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on, Battleline Podcast. Very excited, as we said, to have Sean Lake coming on. But before we do, uh, if it's cool with you, I kind of wanted to give a quick, like, state of the uh, podcast in that. Uh, well, I mean, you you and I have spoken yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. over the past week. And um, basically, when we first started this podcast, and, and you know, I know a lot of this audience knows me previously from Soft Rap Radio, and they're people who have read Chris's books, of course. Um, but we figured, hey, we'll do something a little different and that's why, you know, you've seen it in the show. The first guest we ever had on was Andre Arlovsky. And some of that was pre-pandemic New York City, where it was like, hey, everybody's coming through here. Let's yeah. get people in. Um, but after a year and a half of doing this, I look at the numbers and I try to see what really resonates with you guys and what you like. And I think, at least for me, uh, speaking for myself, being a fan of shows like Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony and Joe Rogan, who have like a really versatile guest list. I said, Hey, let's do something different. Let's do something like that rather than what I was previously doing. And, uh, what I've realized though, is what really resonates with you guys are when we have spec ops guys on when we have even people like Sean Lake, because to me, Sean is a part of that community being the best friend of Glenn Doherty. Um, but to you guys, those are the A-list guests. And, and I'll give you a prime example right here. Um, and I, I appreciate everyone who's come on this podcast. So I don't want it to be taken uh, in any other way. But like when we had Ted Nugent on, I was like, man, this will be huge. It's, it's a big name. Everybody knows Ted Nugent. And crazy enough, a show like Julia Mackey, who is not a celebrity, not a big name, gets more plays. And that's what you guys want to hear. And I realized that. So yeah. it, it's it, it would be wrong for me to say, hey, let's just do the show I want to do or you want to do. I want to do the show that you guys, the listeners, want to hear. And for you, you know, the Ben Morgans and uh, Jake's wig and Mike Schlitz, those are the guys you love hearing from. And and I've responded to that. And and there will be anomalies now and again, but those are the main people I want to have on the show. Uh, every every veteran has a good story and every veteran's been put through. And like Julia Mackey is a Navy veteran. So if you guys didn't know that, you know, when we compared Ted Nugent and Julia, she Navy and Air Force veteran and and. Getting her, getting her having more listeners. Well, that tells us than Ted Nugent. It tells us. Well, where's our, where's our demographic? Well, it's, it doesn't have to be veterans, but it's people that are interested in what veterans have gone through or their stories. And everyone, every veteran's gone through something, whether you deployed or not. And I'll tell veterans out there, even if you think you haven't, because you haven't deployed, you have. Just going through basic training. When you look back at it, when you're actually able to take a step back and look at basic training. That is something that most people will not go through or, will, or don't want to or just won't have the opportunity or or and and uh, there are so many challenges that you can. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Tell and take to the people that are listening to this show and tell them this is how I overcame it. That will help them just basic training in itself. But, you know, that's also the humility of veterans. I mean, veteran, every, like, oh, every veteran goes through basic training. I don't have to worry. You know, I don't, I don't have a story. Nothing happened. I guarantee you, you can look back at it and go, man, there was one time where I wanted to quit and I didn't. And, and this is how I got through it. And that's what people want to hear. And that's what I want to hear. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a veteran. I want to hear those stories. Um, so, now, Ian, and Ian's smart, man. He, look, he's a brilliant guy. He knows what we <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> we need to have on there. Um, but it, it is those stories and they resonate. And then, of course, the downrange stories always resonate. Um, yeah, and that's with- just that, that's our audience. I mean, I've said it on a previous show that like the cool thing about podcasts is you could narrow cast to um, whatever audience you want. You And I guess being a guy who grew up in old school radio, I do think of broadcasting to a large demographic, but for this demographic, they get more excited over those stories. And and that's totally cool to me. I love interviewing vets. I love interviewing contractors and all that stuff. Um, But you kind of have to experiment to see where things go. I mean, even when we had Dave Park on, it's true. When him and Jack Murphy started the team house, they were playing uh, role-playing live yeah. role-playing action games. <laughs> and and Jack truly, because I, I used to hang out with him twice a week doing the show, he thought this was going to be the next big thing for him. He was like, this, there's a huge market for this. And it didn't really resonate. But then when they started doing what they're known for, which is yeah. talking to veterans, that show is doing great. And I realized like for our audience, that's what they want to hear. And, and I, w- I want to give you guys exactly what you want to hear rather than have ebbs and flows. When I look at the plays and I'm like, well, this episode did good. This episode didn't do that good. What's the reason behind it? And it does have to do um, on some level with what I titled the episode. And then also that this demo, like the Jake's wig episode, I knew was going to do great. So I, so knowing that I know it's going to do great. Why would I not go with, with that type of stuff? Adventures are, we're pretty damn cool. So <laughs> hey, what can we say? Sorry guys. Sorry. Not sorry. We're just, we got cool stories, but we'll still have a, a, a bias and Dave Silvera. We're still going to have you on the show. Cause you guys rock. So we're still going to have the rock. <laughs> so no harm there. Uh, guy, I, I, I love veteran stories and we're very lucky uh, that most most times, I think damn near every time that we've had a veteran on, they've said something that they haven't said on another show, or they're like, "Oh my gosh, I, you know, hey man, I, I really have never gotten into this before, but let's talk about it." And that has a lot to say for for Ian and and you know even even myself that they're willing to open up, and I think it's because I'm willing to open up and tell people, "Hey, hey man, this I, I you know let's talk about this this hell that I went through in my life." And that maybe gives them the courage to come out and tell some of the stuff that they haven't said to anybody else. And they say it on the show, yeah. which, which is to me, I, I think that says a lot for the show itself that they trust us. And cause they know we're not going to try to spit them in a good, bad light. We're not going to do a gotcha moment. We just want, Hey, what did you do? And maybe this will help some listener out there that's going through hell right now to get them through another day. And that's what we've always wanted this show. I mean, that really has been a common theme for the show, regardless of the guest since we started, not, Right, left, this all bad, bad. It was, what did you do? What can you do? Or what did you go through in your life that can help a listener out there get through the next hour of today and then to tomorrow and then to the next day? So that's going to be the common theme. And you, you find a lot of that in the veteran community. So, yeah, I, I agree with that's the way we're going to go with it. Um, and if you don't like it, then 
email Ian and let him know. I don't need to know. Just email it, Ian. Don't, don't it, 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 is, <laughs> it is what they like, though. I mean, look, there are people who um, say to me that they do love the episodes we did with, let's say, Frankie Palmieri or Jason yeah, Vanessa. Yeah. So I'm not downplaying those, but the, the episodes that get the numbers are those, and that's what I'm going with. Um, with that said, though, uh, I did get an email from a, uh, a listener who was like, hey, could you shout me out of the show that I brought this up? Because I said, we'll definitely get to it. So shout out to Matt Menko. And this is definitely um, something that I think people want to hear your take on. Uh, and he sent me the article from BBC, of course. I mean, there's articles all over. We all know what's going on. But uh, U.S. Right. says troops to leave Afghanistan by wow. September 11th. Um, you know, and the, and the main gist is U.S. President Joe Biden is set to announce that American troops will leave Afghanistan by September 11th. Officials have told U.S. media the U.S. would miss a May deadline for pullout agreed with the Taliban by the Trump administration late last year or last year. Um, the new deadline would coincide with the 20th anniversary of the terror attacks in the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Um the interesting thing I've seen before I get your take on it is that the um, the war in Afghanistan is definitely not a left right issue. You will see the people who you would label as neocons, you know, on Twitter saying we need to have a presence there basically forever. Uh, there are uh, there are veterans who feel that way, too. I mean, and and I respect them, you know, even though I don't agree with that, like Navy SEAL. Uh, why am I thinking of uh, Dan Crenshaw from Texas? Like when I when I interviewed Dan Crenshaw with Jack. He is a guy who believes we need to have a presence there forever. Um, I know you don't agree with that, but yeah. I wanted to hear your take on us pulling out in just a few months. Oh yeah, Maybe. you know, with Afghanistan specifically, you know, there there is there's there's nothing there like Iraq or Libya or somewhere where there was weapons that we, they were using to to facilitate overthrows of other governments, or there were. Oil and and hey, I don't care who you are. There's oil, a lot of oil in those countries. Don't think for one second that us going in there had nothing to do, at least a little bit, with the with the oil that's there, the reserve, and so forth. Um, Afghanistan doesn't have anything like that. Um, and uh, you know, Afghanistan to me, as far as all the countries that we went into, I that would be the only one where I could say with 100 percent certainty, yes, we should have went in there because that's where Osama bin Laden was hiding. That's where his troops were. That's where the majority of the foreign fighters were being trained and then going out and doing their stuff after 9-11-2001. Um, but now, yeah, I, I don't see a reason for us to be there. Afghanistan, uh, and the majority of the people, I don't think want us there. And, and they do. They just want to live their own lives. Let them have them. If, the if they have to dispose of the Taliban themselves, it's not us going in there and doing it. Because all we do is we create martyrs, we create more enemies, and we create we create just more problems. So we get out of there. But if we're ever attacked again and, an, and a terrorist like Osama bin Laden decides to hide out in Afghanistan, sorry, guys, we're going back in there to, to kill him and then we'll leave again. But, yeah, having a presence there, I, I just don't think it does. What's the end state? Why would we need a presence there to instill democracy? They don't want democracy. And honestly, they don't need democracy. I, I, I don't think that's. And if they want it, it's got to come from the inside. It can't come from us saying Hey, we give us democracy. You're gonna, you guys want democracy? We're gonna force it down your throat. It's, it's got to come from internal, from, from the Afghani's themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, brother, I, I, I don't think any country really we need a huge presence, if at all, unless there's a diplomatic presence that we need to, because there, 
we maybe I, 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 I that would be a whole nother podcast. I don't know where that would be, but um, I'm in agreement, man. I, I don't think that we need troops there. And, and I'm glad it's not a right or left issue. It shouldn't be a right or left issue. It, and nothing with the military needs to be a right or left issue. Military should be apolitical. Um, you know, I'm being a hypocrite saying that because I did take a side at one time um, once I got out. But well, we, I mean, everybody has their yeah. principles and their of, princi- of course, some of that's going to be based in politics forever. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. But, you know, as a nutshell, you know, seeing uh, seeing somebody on a sergeant major on CNN or a sergeant major on Fox or uh, it shouldn't be that way. And I think Afghanistan, this is one country where or at least one time where I think uh, both sides can agree on some of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the the other question I wanted to ask you, because I heard people have different opinions on this as well, um, like Green Beret Ben Collins, I saw him on Twitter saying, like, who decided September 11th? Why would Yeah, why would you death? do that again? We've always got to make it a big show. Because I, 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 I mean, from a layman's point of view, I'm not in the military, for those who don't know. I mean, most of you guys know that. But um, I, doesn't that kind of open you up for, because terrorists like to instill terror. And if you hey. cause a terror attack on 9-11... As we pull out troops, and, I, you know, I can see that happening. And, you know, we are not learning from the past when the Russians pulled out of there. I, again, I, I saw and I actually did ops around the Salang area down where the Salang tunnel is. And and when they're, everybody knew in Afghanistan, knew when the Russians were pulling out and they got slaughtered. Um, not saying we're going to do that because we're not driving out of Afghanistan like the Russians did. But you're exactly right. Saying, hey, this is when we're going to pull out. All right, guys, I to think that they are not trying to stage an attack on 9-11 to do something just to make the world see and give give the US a, USA a black eye one last time um, would be stupid. So, well, I mean, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just, no, go ahead. as you're talking, I'm thinking you've said it yourself that what happened to you, you don't think September 11th no. date was a coincidence. No, it's a statement date. I mean, come on. That's we would do that. That's a, that's a huge statement date to, to say that. And that's where the, the media and then also those in the Pentagon need to get a muzzle on their damn selves. No other, you know, our, our enemies don't need Intel services. They've got the news. They've got TV. We do it to ourselves. We're our own worst enemy. So I agree, totally agree with that. 9-11, why? Just, you know, one day get ready to go and pull your troops out. And, and it can be a gradual withdrawal, but you don't say we're going to pull out on this day because right now there's a terrorist organization sitting there going, okay, well, we know when they're leaving. Let's plan out. Now, maybe it, maybe it's a ruse. Maybe they're saying it and they're going to be pulling out at a later, which is that's that's a that is a tactic. Uh, I don't think with our arrogance in the USA and especially with the media and their arrogance of having to believe that people need to know everything. I don't think it is a ruse, but and, and it's completely wrong. We don't need to tell people when we're pulling out of a country, especially Afghanistan, where we saw what happened to the Russians when the Russians said, hey, we're going to pull out on this day. And the Afghanis, the Mujahideen just waited. And that's what they're good at. That's all they get. They'll just wait. Let's plan. Let's do it. And all they need to do to make a statement is blow up a plane, blow up a convoy, you know, go hit Bagram, hit the air base one last time. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of people, but they're going to inflict a lot of damage on Bagram. You know, hit hit some, some place in Kabul, hit ISIF in Kabul, the International Security Forces, which I don't know if it's called ISIF anymore, or hit the, or here's a perfect example, go hit the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. It's right there. So it's it's just, it's terrible that we would just even state and then make that the date that we need to do it. But the damn DC and damn their politicians, man, they're always putting politics before patriots always. And it pisses me the hell off. 
Yeah, it's it's also kind of weird with it being the 20th anniversary because I know that it's to say, um, you know, this is the reason that we went in there 9-11, but the people who died had, I mean, yeah. the, the subsequent people who died because of it, yeah, they died for this cause, but the people who died in the World Trade Center and, and elsewhere in those planes had nothing to do nothing with it. I mean, the guy that I personally knew, Chris Quackenbush, um, you know, who died was the hedge fund, hedge fund guy on Wall Street. Um, yeah, I have no idea if he would have agreed or not agreed with the war in Afghanistan. So I think that they deserve to have this 20th anniversary date to themselves, yeah. the victims of this, and have, you know, the troops who are in Afghanistan uh, should be a separate celebration, if you will, of us pulling out. But the question is, you know, I think a lot of people agree that we should have been out of there a long time ago. Uh, t- I'm, the Afghanistan, once we once Osama bin Laden was killed and there, I, I don't know if there's any other high value targets again by that. I, I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe there's a high value target that we don't know about. Maybe the intel services are actually keeping things quiet so the rest of the world doesn't know. Uh, most unlikely because everybody's in cahoots with the media nowadays. But um, uh, you know, I I completely agree with with that. Just just you know, hey, nine eleven. Let it be nine eleven. Don't make a damn political statement about it. Tactically speaking, it's stupid to tell your enemy when you're when you're at your most vulnerable point, which is leaving the country. It's just dumb and making it on that day. It won't take much at all for a statement to be made by the Taliban or or whatever remnants of of AQI or whatever. Whatever terrorist organizations are out there anymore, ISIS. That's still, you know, they're still they're still out there. They're not as powerful as they were, and and yeah, they aren't. Um, and that's 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 our honest truth. But they're still out there, and it doesn't take much to make a statement. And it only takes a few people on the terrorist side to make a statement with a with a huge bomb. I mean, just driving, literally driving a dump truck into a hotel, which I've seen, which I've felt. <laughs> um, yeah. And how many people did that take? It took five people. Yeah, it doesn't make take much. And here we are. Hey guys, here's our big target. We're gonna leave on this day. Yeah, uh, just to let you know. And 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 um and now they're starting to plan for it. So media again and the Pentagon, the politicians in the Pentagon that let stuff out like this, shame on you. You guys should all be ashamed of yourselves. You guys are fucking up and you're betraying the people that are downrange again. And like Ian said, I completely agree with that. 9-11 should be safe to remember those that died on 9-11, not to make another political statement of us pulling out of Afghanistan. It's, it's, it's failure on all accounts, man. So with that, joining us for the first time on Battleline Podcast is Sean Lake, CEO of Bub's Naturals, also best friend of Glenn Bub Doherty. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been using Bub's since I first met you. But before we get into everything, I did hear two things about you recently. For one, I heard you just recovered from COVID. I'm glad you're okay. Um, and then the second thing I heard is that it's your 50th birthday, much like Chris. Today. Yep. Today? Oh, Today. happy, happy bir- birthday, happy man. Happy birthday. Yeah, we're both big 50s now. I got, yeah, you that's got, it. Fresh yeah. Did you get your AARP letter in the mail? I got I, mine a couple weeks ago. I did. Uh, and, and I literally like showed it to my wife, who's 14 years younger than I am. So uh, I can't Mm-hmm. Hey, look at these deals we get. I'm an old man now. I, I, I can get that off. You know what? Get t- 25% off the hearing aids. Whether you need them or not, get them, dude. Get, come on. Look, you know, these are things. These are things. I like to collect things. So let, let's go. Uh, yeah, we got a kick out of that one. I was like, well, 
I'm going to go to Alaska and you know hang out with my buddies for a week for my 50th birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Take care of the kids. Uh, you know, no, don't worry about it. You got, you got this out of control. You're in your thirties. Don't sweat it. She got tons of energy, man. Come on. Yeah, She's it, got, you know, it's funny you say that COVID, which, you know, Ian, you, t- you touched on a minute ago. It kicked our asses. Um, like I here, my wife has run 10 marathons. She's done an Ironman. You know, I've been running marathons. I've been crossfitting. I've been doing the, all the things, right? Dude, it wiped us. Our house was in lockdown for two and a half weeks. We didn't leave. Our kids, three and five, they got it. They didn't know they had it. They were like bouncing off the walls. But it was brutal. And like I literally almost did not go to Alaska on that trip because she couldn't function. She she couldn't hang. I got better quicker. uh, You know, whatever. Got lucky. And, And she was still dragging ass. And then all of a sudden, like two days passed when the trip started. She just wakes up one morning. She's like, okay, now you can okay. go. You've been on your butt for two and a half weeks. And then all of a sudden she's like, okay, I think you can handle it. I'm like, you sure? Mm-hmm. About 30 seconds later, I had my flight booked. <laughs> there you go. Good. I, I think. So did you lose two days on the trip or on your Alaska trip? I did. So I went, you know, you know, Glenn and I used to be ski yeah. bumps together. So I used to snowboard for a living. Um, and when I was a sponsored snowboarder, you know, all my sponsored snowboard buddies were all now in our late forties, you know, turning 50. So a group of them got together and said, Hey, let's go to Haines, Alaska. We're going to fly with this group called SEBA and we're going to go up there for a week. So normally when you go for a seven day window, you need a day of travel on both sides. So it's a nine day window and you're hoping you're lucky if you fly like two or three days. Cause the weather's crazy. Like it's, wow. you know, it snowed 30 inches while wow. I was there overnight, uh, socked in the airports, couldn't fly. They literally had to hire guys local to shovel out the airport. Um, so, so I got up there. I missed the first two days. They flew both days. Oh, so you really didn't miss anything. Man. So, so they, they got to fly those first two days. Then I got into town and it was a weather day we flew for one day the whole time I was there. One day, it was awesome. That's that, great. That, roll the dice, man. That's Alaska. You go up there and you might score, or you might ride for one day. Um, yeah. It was a good day. I, I don't know. I wouldn't. Thirty inches of snow? Hell no. I'm done with snow. I, I, I'm going farther south. Every time I move, it's a little bit farther south. A little bit farther south. I'm done with snow. You know? But, I, uh, yeah. I, I married a girl from Florida. She she does not understand the snow. <laughs> <laughs> in the two in the two days she just popped up after two days i'm sorry i know maybe it's my maybe it's my background where i came from but i see shenanigans there i think she just cut you two days i think she's like I'm, i feel better but let's see if i can get them home for two more days because i want them to help with the kids that's was it dude it was shenanigans i'm telling you from the ci my my ci background my secret secret squirrel background you know yeah, she, and she was, got you we're talking about easter sunday see there, easter there. sunday Oh man. All right. I just started shit in, in the Lake family. Sorry. My bad. You know what? I'll tell you what though. I mean, there was no version of going to service. So we, we had to log yeah. into church online and, and, yeah. and watch the Sunday service. And, um, and in which of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting, there's a chat room on the church thing and I'm getting heckled inside. <laughs> Cherry. But where were you last week? I had COVID guys. Come on. <laughs> oh, you can't lie in bed and watch the service. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. the, Anyway. Well, 
Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you're all right. Obviously, I'm glad that your wife is all right and that you're you're back here and enjoying your 50th. Um, I mean, I, I think the main thing I'd love to get into with you, and, and of course, we're going to get into Bubs, is this audience really reveres Glenn Doherty. And for a lot of people, there's very little that they know about him other than 13 hours and, and his service to the country and being a Navy SEAL. Um, I'd love to hear about where you and Glenn linked up and, yeah. and just what he was like. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Obviously, you know, the world knows Glenn as a national hero. They know him as a Navy SEAL who saved lives, who laid down his life in Benghazi. And, you know, obviously, you know, with Chris and the book yeah. and, and the movie and then obviously all the news cycle that followed it. What's interesting is like we, we talk about Glenn all the time, the the group, group of friends we grew up with. So, so Glenn and I met – um, just after middle school, going into high school in a little town called Winchester, Massachusetts. Massachusetts yeah. So so you're talking to a mass hole. And, <laughs> and Anto, you worked with a mass hole. I, I, um, I did. I, I worked with him in Tripoli before Benghazi, too, just to, but yeah, I did. Yeah, he, he, he didn't. I did. I, first glance, usually you can get the, I call them the East Coasters, the coasters. Yeah. He, he didn't. No, he didn't. I thought he was a California boy. I thought he was from Southern California. So, so, and we both have kind of like, you know, glommed on, but you know, he served with team three. So he was stationed in Coronado. I took a job in snow, in the snowboard industry in Encinitas, which is 30 minutes North. A couple of years later, we're roommates, but back to the beginning, Glenn and I met, you know, going into high school and he was actually buddies with my older brother. Glenn's a year older than I am. Um, And they were like super close friends. And, and the one thing that we all kind of had in common, this group of friends that, that connected in high school was everyone was a little bit counterculture. Uh, we'd be the guys playing hacky sack yeah. out in the, in the common area. Um, a little bit of, you know, trying to figure out the alternative music, the punk rock stuff. Like we were doing things a little bit different. And, and that's a theme um, that, that Glenn and I, one of the reasons we became so close was that we, we kind of were always doing that. And so in high school, Glenn didn't run with a popular crowd. He ran with this alternative crowd and that was our crowd. And it became the popular crowd because Glenn was this, this lightning bolt, <laughs> this, 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 this personality that was so bright that people were just drawn to him. And, so, you know, we're playing hacky sack, we're skateboarding, we're, you know, listening to alternative music, and we're just talking about life differently. And there was like six of us who were really tight in this group of friends, my older brother and, and this guy, Phil Savon, and Tom Donahue and Charlie Shannon and Glenn Doherty and Chad Haskell. And to this day, we're all in this text thread. And it's not that common that you've got a half dozen guys um, that grew up together that 30 years later are thick as thieves. Yeah. Six, each other six, maybe, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. planning vacations together, going to each other's birthday parties and weddings, all the, all the stuff. Glenn was the nucleus of that group. So think of that from a popularity standpoint. Like he walks into a room, he tells a story, everyone's listening to him. And he brought that energy with him. So we all go to college. I'm a year behind. Glenn goes to Embry-Riddle in Arizona. And he wants to be a pilot. He wants to do something exciting. Everyone else is going to, you know, get their MBAs and, and, and graduate with a business degree and go join the world. Glenn's like, I'm going to be an airline pilot. I go to New Mexico State, which is the next state over. He's in Arizona. I'm in New Mexico. So we can be close together and still hang out 
I didn't realize it was like a 12 hour drive. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, it's, like, it's Las Cruces, isn't it? New Mexico State. Yeah. Yeah, Las yeah, yeah, that that's like, I didn't realize North. In Arizona and Las Cruces were like really far. <laughs> yeah, away. really far. <laughs> hey man, dumb high school kids. So so I go there and then we're kind of scheming, like, man, college isn't really for us. Not right now. Like we got too much stuff we want to do. Let's move to Utah and go become professional skiers. And I wanted to become a professional snowboarder. Like that seems like a really good dream. Let's float that past our parents. And see how <laughs> so you know we're 18 19 turning he's turning 20 and we moved to utah literally he picks me up at the greyhound bus station we drive up to snowbird ski resort go to the job fair get jobs i'm a dishwasher he gets a job at alta because he can't get hired at snowbird he becomes a ski bum lifty with my brother we all share an apartment a little two-bedroom we're all crammed in there and we ski bombed together for the better part of five years. Wow. Every summer, Glenn chose a different adventure job. First summer, he went to uh, uh, Wyoming to be a ranch hand. Like, okay, I'm going to paint houses in Park City. I'm going to go to San Francisco and, you know, work and build decks or something. We just any kind of eclectic adventure. Then he goes down to Moab to become a river guide. Okay. High quality adventure jobs. So, we're turning 24. We've been ski bombing for years. I got lucky. I, I made it as a sponsored snowboarder. I was getting the free stuff coming in and traveling and starting to have the dream. And I'm like, this is awesome. Glenn was a kick-ass skier. But this was in the middle of the 90s. This is like 93, 1994. It was a really tough time to be a professional skier. And he was getting in magazines. Like he had photos published, um, but he couldn't break through. So he's like, you know, I don't know, man. So one summer, he, he just doesn't know if he's going to make it. So one summer, he goes down to um, Costa Rica with a couple of buddies. Like, it was very common for ski guys to go onto the palm trees in the offseason. He's like, I'm going to go learn how to surf. He goes down there, and he meets a couple of Navy SEALs. And he's drinking with them, partying with them, working out with them, whatever. And he comes home from this trip, and he takes me aside and, you know, very private for all of our ski bum friends. He says, Hey man, I think I'm going to join the Navy and become a Navy SEAL. And I go, really? He's like, well, I, you know, I'm not making it pro skier. If, if I turn 25 and I'm not sponsored for skiing, I'm going to join the Navy and become a Navy SEAL. And at the time there was very little knowledge about the Navy SEAL program. There was one movie on VHS Called Navy Seals, Charlie Sheen. Star Charlie, Charlie Sheen. That's that's still I, one I knew of, that was going to be it, and that's still one of the best Navy Seal movies. I think it is. That's the, the, Charlie Sheen. Actually, if you want to be the accuracy of, of some Navy Seals, that's pretty accurate. Charlie Sheen's spot, spot on. You look back at you like you laugh now because it's got all those catchphrases. But for guys that have worked with Navy Seals and have, and have served with them. And, Honestly, the, the the personalities as probably some of the most accurate personalities that a Navy SEAL movie's gotten. But anyway, no, that that's awesome. Keep keep going. This we, is great. We could go on a tangent on Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Navy now I'm I'm starting to think about guys like Shane Hyatt and Mikey Ritland. Yeah, all the cat, you know, Clint, all the guys that I've gotten to know from yep. E3, and I'm like, hmm, yep. I'm gonna yep. that one past him, Chris. Let's see how that one. I, I think so, dude. I I don't know. That's pretty damn close, man. You got that crazy, the one crazy guy. Then you got the lieutenant who's 
trying to maintain the control, but he's still kind of crazy, but he's, and then, then you have the master chief, you know, the, the, uh, Dennis Haysbert, who is, yeah, he's, he's spot on. He's, yeah, th- no, this is what we're doing, but he understands the craziness because he was once crazy himself. Now that's, no, I, I, right. look, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. They'll probably say, oh, hell, I'm not saying that they're exactly like the movie. It's a movie. It, it really is one of the early war movies where guys, they, they did overdo it. They they over embellished a lot in that. Um, MP, yeah, yeah. Nine mil can't go through all that stuff. MP5s don't, and the and you don't all repel through the same window at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. But the, but the personalities. When I look back at it now, knowing of the personalities, of the guys I work with, and Bub as well, because I worked. I said I was in Tripoli before I went to Benghazi with Bub. He's the only one that would watch Black uh, Black Dynamite with me. That would laugh. He's the only one that got it. We're the only two. Everybody would leave. Like we're watching Black Dynamite. But um, but uh, that's Glenn in a nutshell. That is his spot right there. Um, it, it, but you know, keep but, going, man. Keep keep going. Keep going. Well, so so you know, here we are. We're twenty five, and and he tells me this, and I'm like, he's turning twenty five. He has this thing, and I'm like, well, what? You know, what is it? He's like, I met these guys down in Costa Rica, and they were seals, and they said I had what it takes, and that was it. The spark of challenge to see what he was made of. To like to put something in front of him that people say you can't do was all he needed mm-hmm. to rally out and do it. And awesome. you know, people join the military for a lot of different reasons. And you know, for Glenn, the idea of seeing what was inside of himself, the idea of testing that was it was too alluring. Like, yeah, being a being a pilot sounded amazing, right? Yeah. Oh, there's great <laughs> high adventure jobs. This just had adventure and, you know, that, that self-testing on, on just to the highest possible degree. So I drive him to the recruiter. We haven't told anyone. He hasn't told his mom, anyone. I drive him down to the recruiter in Sandy, Utah. And I walk up to the, you know, get out of the truck, walk up. And this Navy recruiter walks right outside. He's like, hey, come on in, guys. And he looks at me and I'm like, what are you looking at me for? And you know, and and that was it. It was a totally different path. Like two guys that had spent you know almost a decade at that point tied at the hip, and 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 he's going left and I'm going right, or you know he's going right and I'm going left. I'm like, hey, I I've got my dream. I'm I'm sponsored for snowboarding. This was this was the thing we set out (laughs) to do. I'm just getting started. And he's like, hey, you know, like this is my next thing. So he goes in, signs his paperwork comes back and then he slowly starts telling all of our ski bum friends they like can barely get their heads around it they're like you're doing what like we're gonna go to a party and do keg stands tonight and you're gonna <laughs> hey, baby? and um, that was the kind of guy he was and so everyone got it you know he goes home the next thing you know he goes to basic he's writing letters remember there's no email and i get a letter from him and then a phone call and it's time to go to san diego for his buds graduation so me and, and two of our closest friends, Chad Sarinskis, who's, who's very well known in the ski community. He was one of the pro skiers who broke through. He was our, one of our roommates. Um, and this other guy, Marty Weishart, hop into a little Subaru and we road trip out to California from Utah. We, we couldn't afford plane tickets. And um, we roll down to Coronado. First, we go to Huntington Beach, we party our faces off, drive down to Coronado. We're literally five minutes late for his bud's graduation. Oh no. oh, no. You're the pretty disheveled out. 
rolling onto the base. And Glenn is up there on the stage. Like he'd already received, you know, he'd like done the, the ceremonial thing. I wouldn't know because I didn't make it. And looking at us, and you could just see him shaking his head. And they are going, that's, that's, that's And that was my introduction to this amazing community of just fucking door kicking, fire breathing, amazing humans. And Glenn's friends became my friends. My friends were Glenn's friends. And again, he carried that energy. So when he would talk to, you know, Mike Ritland and, 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 and he would spend time with Mikey or Shane Hyde or, or Clint or, you know, any of these other guys, it was very inclusive. And, you know, I was a snowboarder from doing something completely different, but we had this adrenaline addiction thing in common. And it actually really, it, there was a lot of, you know, good simpicato there. there was, we just really clicked and, and these guys were great. So we all spend out time barbecuing, hanging out like between deployments and, you know, Shane Hyatt's one of my closest friends. And, you know, Shane served for what, damn near 18 years. And, you know, now I have to buy knives every time he comes out with a new one. Uh, that's my shameless plug for, for H9 Edgeworks um, and all these medieval blades that I now own. Yeah. I don't really throw a knife at all, only five of them. Um, but Glenn was that glue. Like he was that, that, that conduit to pull all these people together. He serves 10 years in the Navy. Um, he's down in Coronado. He moves up to Encinitas, and I'm in action sports. Like I, at that time, I was the team manager for Burton Snowboards. I'd gotten done with my career, and Glenn shows up one year for Christmas dinner, and I bring a young kid, Sean White, to Christmas dinner. So now it's Glenn's hanging out with Sean White, who hadn't won any gold medals yet and you know, wasn't a famous snowboarder, but that was Glenn's life. So now when I see Sean, he like remembers Glenn and it's like, oh yeah, remember wow. that time we all had Christmas wow. dinner together. That that's just how Glenn's universe worked. Um, you know, he was just this this conduit for good times, great memories, and and he led from the front, man. Like he he was he took really good care of himself physically. Yeah. yeah. He was always improving himself. Like when he got out of the Navy, the first thing he did was finish his bachelor's degree. Then he went and got a pilot's license. So the whole time that he was out, he was like, what's next? How am I going to improve myself? Self-improvement was always at his core. And that's infectious. Like, to be clear, it's kind of obnoxious. Because when you're the best friend of the guy who's always leveling up, it kind of forces you yeah. to level up. <laughs> you're like, dude, can, it, can you just take a break for a second? Can you get six months where I can just sit on my ass? for? But, yeah, no, I, 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 Glenn wasn't like that. I, that's when, because a lot of the stuff I don't know, I only know Ben from GRS. I only know him from, I mean, uh, Bub from, from GRS. So Glenn went into GRS. He, he did some contracting right out of the Navy. As soon as he got out of the Navy, he's like, okay, what do I do next? And this is a theme. What do I do next? A lot of guys, as soon as their career is over, yeah. there's a massive gap in that afterlife. Like, hey, I, I can it to the problem of the professional sports athlete. If you played pro football for 10 years, what do you do next? Sure. Not everyone has that solved. And if you've been in a highly specialized career, like special operations, what do you do next? And Glenn had that. He's like, I could be a firefighter. I could be a medic. Uh, maybe I'll be a pilot again. I could do maybe, 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 maybe. Well, you got to pay the bills. You got to pay the mortgage. Glenn gets out of the Navy. He gets a divorce. 
I get a divorce. Next thing you know, we're two guys turning 40 roommates because we got to cover the overhead in our house. And he's deploying. So he joins GRS because it literally almost tripled his salary from when oh, yeah, he yeah. duty. Yeah. You know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was a 1099 employee. Yeah. Um, but it gave him a lot of freedoms, right? He it does. It, or does. Like for three months, he'd be hanging out yeah. in Encinitas. Like, I'm going to go surfing today. I'm going to work on the garden. Keep in mind, this is a former Navy SEAL who loved baking casseroles and, and <laughs> shrubs in the garden. <laughs> Anything that would ground him in normality when he wasn't overseas, he really locked into. A lot of people don't get that. When I would come home, the first thing I wanted to do was mow my yard, was go work in my it, – it makes you feel normal. It, it it does have that normality. And not saying – you know, I'm not putting people down that haven't served, say, oh, normal's down here. It's not. It's just you come back home and you're like, man, I just want to feel like I'm home. And one of the things of that is – is yard work. It is gardening. It's doing fun. landscaping. It's awesome. I, yep. I know. I that's awesome. So so here we are. We're roommates. He's working for GRS. He worked for GRS for a, a number of years. Yeah, um, he was there six or seven years, I believe. Yeah, we, yeah it was it I was mean, about as long as yeah. The money was great, and he'd come home with these stories that were just you know <laughs> wild because we never talked about his work. Um, it, it's funny because I've been around a lot of guys that would walk up to Glenn at parties. And they asked what I believe to be one of the most personal questions you could ever ask someone. They would walk right up and go, hey, man, you ever kill anyone? Uh, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it occurred to me, like, I never, ever asked Glenn any of those kinds of questions. I was the closest to him than anyone on the planet. We never talked about it. Yeah. The only way we would talk about it was I would, I would give him the windows to talk to me. I'm like, hey, man, if you ever want to talk about stuff, I'm 100% here. But I'm never going to ask him about that kind of stuff. But every once in a while, he'd squeak a story out. It was never something serious. It was always the comedy shit. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, there is gold in these stories. And, you know, like one time where – I mean, this isn't a story from him. But, like, the very casual things that he would do before going to do GRS deployments. He was going to serve in Mexico City, um, special security for the U.S. ambassador to Mexico – and the U.S. ambassador in Mexico apparently had like run his mouth around some cartel guys and was in like there was some extra security needs. So Glenn's like, I need to buy a bunch of suits. I'm like, all right, let's go to the suit shop. He's like, Sean, I need you to go with me to the suit shop because I have no sense of fashion. <laughs> I am fashion literate. Please help me. And he was. So I go to the <clears throat> count on me to help him look good. And we, go, and we go to like men's superstore or something. He's buying <laughs> like four suits. And he goes in there and they start to measure him for the suits. And he's like, the little seamstress lady comes out and she goes, um, okay, I'm going to measure your inseam and I'm going to measure this and your shoulders. And he's like, I need something special. She's like, what's that? He's like, I need some extra fabric sewn in to oh, yeah. the jacket. And he's standing there with her and he starts going like this. <laughs> and he's like, mm, mm. What, what, hey, so for all you listeners out there he's is mimicking grabbing yeah. possibly a pistol in your waistband yeah. <laughs> sorry that, that uncomfortable silence right now the podcast was, was ben, ben is standing in front of this little old lady trying to mimic grabbing his firearm and 
She's like, her face goes white. She doesn't know what to do. What is that? So he's like, you know what? Just put fabric on both sides. I don't know where I'm going to be grabbing. And I'm just like, this is great. So, you know, that's it. He goes down to Mexico. It's funny. Of all the deployments, when we talked about Iraq, Afghanistan, Beirut, Yemen, which was, or I should say Lemon. He always referred to it as the country that rhymes with Lemon. Lemon, yeah. Um, <laughs> He referred to Mexico City as the most dangerous, um, hardest job that he ever took. It's it's the city actually. It's, it's it's hard to it's hard to navigate. It's hard to drive. It's hard to get. And that's the thing that, and you may not have told you this, but I'm sure you picked up. It's that when we get dropped off in these places, we've never been to. I mean, our learning curve. You got you got 24 to 48 hours to figure this shit out. Where do I go? Where do I not go? How do? Because you may be thrown in a car and have to drive. And be the only guy in there. And then you got to protect whoever this is that you don't know who it is. So now you got to know what areas are good and bad. And, and, and if you have to respond and and then the locals there, any place, even Mexico City, the, the local, you can't trust them. So there's no, and that it made, but that's what made the job fun is that you would get in there and it's like, all right, it's like throwing you, like here, Navy SEAL, I throw you in the pool, sink or yeah. swim, you, you sink. Yeah. Well, tough shit. We'll find somebody else. We'll throw them in the pool. Someone's going to do it. Yeah. So he, and so he did, he, you know, he, he referred to that job just like that. And then he was also like, he's like, I never knew where the bad guys were going to come. Yeah. From. Yeah. The nice <clears> thing <throat> about Yemen, Lemon, um, is that he always knew, like, you know, when the bad guys are coming, he's like, in Mexico, he's like, everyone's dressed the same. And there was never that, like, you know, someone, the concealed rules in the crowded streets. He's like, it made it just, it, he said he was on edge for two and a half months or however long he was down there. He's like, he's like, he went down thinking it was going to be awesome. I'm going to Mexico City. This is going to be great. He came back and he's like, I need a vacation. <laughs> it's, it's, and, he, and he does, you know, white, we, as white boys, they stick out everywhere. But, you know, it was Mexico City. I, I was very lucky working in South and Central America because I, I am Mexican. So I can actually start to blend in. My Spanish comes back. We're, we're, where it works, but I tell you what, the guys because Roan worked down there too. Roan and Jack were down and worked that area as well, and they're the same way. They're like, "This is fucking tough." I'm like, "Well, fuck it. us, us Spanish guys, you know, us Mexicans, we don't we don't like you with us." And then with you're with Ethos down there, yeah, hey, vamos, get out of here, man. We we're, we're, and I pull, but it but it was he he's he was spot on and so, so he, and he and he did that job. Um, didn't he do it right before he came to Libya? Didn't he? Wasn't he in Mexico right before he? Or was it? God, it was. Yeah, one of. I mean, yeah, it was one of the last ones. He one did. of the last. Yeah, yeah. Um. So he, you know, he would do this rotation. You know, the rotation is, mm. you know, three months on, three yeah. months off, three months on, three months off. But then, what started to happen was that he kept having to do new driving qualifications. Yeah. Walls. Yeah. Um. Funny little side note though, like this is the glue and connectedness of, that is Glenn Doherty. When he would do his shooting quals, he would go out to Colorado Springs. Yeah. And who's running the shooting quals out there but this guy named Evan Hafer. <laughs> yeah, I know Evan. Yeah, I know Evan. Oh, right. Evan is a goof too, man. Evan's a it's it's unbelievable. He comes home and he's talking about Evan to me. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm testing on all the coffee. And, you know, I'm, I'm sipping coffee and I'm hanging out with my buddy Evan. And and I don't really – it doesn't really <laughs> – plan to see this is just another character in glenn's orbit that i've never met that he's talking about and of course evan ends up being evan hafer of black rifle coffee black rifle, yeah. who was tinkering around roasting beans while running the grs shooting qual course at colorado springs i'm like 
Who would have thunk it? And so I'm yep. Evan years later. That was awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, you're the same Evan. I know about you. Evan is, I, I, I've known him as Idaho and Utah. We used to call, we, we worked in Afghanistan. We were working downrange. I worked downrange with Evan, did some teaching courses with Afghanis as well. He was always trying to find something local. We would stop by honey. Guys, they'd be selling honey on the side of the road. He had to test it all. Then we stop and stop by coffee. I didn't know it at the time, but he's, he's already, his mind's thinking, okay, I got to get out of this contracting. What can I do that I can make? And honey was the first thing. I remember we stopped and got honey and I'm like, Evan, that, that stuff's not filtered, dude. That guy could have bled in it. All right. If you want to catch hepatitis eating that, you go right ahead, but I don't want to have any of that honey. Um, but the thing that people don't get with Evan and Evan was similar to, to Bob. They were both hilarious. they both were brilliant. And, and you know, Evan is brilliant. He's he just way beyond, but they're, they were always, it is, they're always looking for that next, it was next adventure, just like you said. And Evan was the same way. And, and so Evan. Glenn was doing this. He's doing this GRS. He's the kryptonite was the money. Yeah. Cause remember like he's turning 40. It's a lot of money. He starts to break down. You're getting a little achy at this point. So he's coming home and we're, you know, we're crossfitting, you know, five days a week and running and we're spending all of our time together. And I had a really great job that allowed me some flexibility. So like we made the most of our time to hang together, but he would, he'd share with me what was going on. And he's like, you know, I, I don't know what's next, but it's gotta be something. And yeah, my body's starting to hurt a little bit. And, you know, he was just sort of letting it in that he was struggling. Um, I think he struggled a lot more early on. Uh, I, I don't think I know he did when he first got out of the Navy and he first got divorced, like he went into a dark place. Sure. Um, and, and, and that's just, that's actually makes him more human. So like, I, I love that he went there and was able to come out of it. Like that's perseverance that just reinforces that character that he had, that he was, he, he faced those demons. Yeah. He faced, you know, that uncertainty and he came out of it. And, you know, the, the thing that he just wrestled with to the end was what's next. So, so right before Tripoli, which was where he went down yeah, to yeah. Benghazi, yeah. we had this big, long talk about, hey, man, like, it's time. Like, you've made enough money. You, you own the house. Like, you know, it's, your overhead's low. What's it going to be? And he had applied to a physician's assistant program at the University yeah. of Utah. I was going to yeah. move back to Utah. He was going to join the PA program, use the GI Bill, keep his costs low. You know, everything had to be cheap with Glenn. And uh, and, <laughs> and, and and he was going to run that program. He's like, I, this is going to be my last one. This is going to be it. So this is in the summer. This is before he went. So in May, he'd made the call out like, this is it. I'm good. I, and if I could just jump in here, I, I wonder – do you really think that that meant this was it? Because Chris, how many times have you said this? It, it, it's it's tough. I said this is it many times, but but you know, like I knew Glenn was in his forties at that time. All of us were at that age. This was going to be Roan's last trip. This was going to be Jack's if he could get out of the get out of his because he had a lot of bills. His last trip, but yeah. but it, it is. It's it, like I said. That's why we put that. We did put that in there in the movie. Warriors aren't trained to retire. No, it's like Bob. We we aren't, and we always were. This is our last trip, and then. You get the itch, but we also know our bodies are starting to break down. And people don't realize that Bub was also our medic. Bub was not just a shooter. Him and Roan were both our, they were, so they always had more gear to carry. They also had more responsibility, more stress, more training to go through than guys like me. They had to go through more things. So oh, yeah. it wears I, on you. Gear. I, I'm still finding gear in my house. <laughs> 
eight years later, I go, oh, look at this. I think I'll have to claim all mine. You should probably get rid of it. Hey, I'll just throw it back under the sink. It'll be fine. We, we, we have a joke in our house. We, Glenn would always say, when the zombies come, zombies want to be at our house. <laughs> <laughs> they were, so what, that's that summer, again, because I, I like to hear a little bit of this. Because, you know, I, I don't know a lot of the behind uh, of what happened before. Because when he went to Tripoli, that's when I got shipped out to Benghazi. So I didn't see him on that next trip. I, yeah, I saw him on the trip before. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 yeah, so please, I, please, if you don't mind. So that summer, <clears throat> Glenn, you know, we're hanging out. This is, he was, he was supposed to go over in June. So his deployment was supposed to be June, July, August. You guys were supposed to be together that whole yeah. time in Tripoli. Yeah. Um, Glenn gets hit by a car. Coming home I from didn't, a yoga class. Like I didn't know that. Holy crap. <laughs> oh yeah. Holy shit. Hit by a car in May of 2012. Remember, 9-11 of 2012 yeah. in So yeah. he gets hit, he breaks his hand. Holy mm. crap. I didn't know that. In hand. So he's like, oh man, I'm gonna get in so much trouble. <laughs> like, oh my god. Like, this car hit him right near our house. Like it was totally this woman's fault. Like, you know, he was gonna probably sue the pants off the insurance company or who knows what, but he breaks his hand. So he has to like write a letter to the guys at GRS and tell them like, um, my grandfather got sick and I have to stay home and take care of him or my, his dad. And he writes this total bullshit note. Pardon my friend. Cause he can't say you're saying he can't he say he, can't, he can't say he got hurt. Because that would somehow like punt out his deployment. It, it does because now they got they got so much control. Then early on, there wasn't a lot of of of, of meticulous overhead control. We could we could, you know it was we could say like my Crohn's disease, my ulcerative colitis. I could say yeah, it's under control and it'd be full of shit. But now literally think, full of shit, full of literally. But like now with 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 Glenn and now he would have had to have gone and got an X-ray. You have to do the whole physical thing to make sure that you're yep. ready to, to yep. deploy. So, which so would have pushed him out. Totally way out. flubbed it. Yeah, he totally flubbed it. And he wrote this lie. He told me all about like why, just like like you were saying. And so all of a sudden he's home for the whole summer, and we had the best summer. <clears throat> I mean, we surfed every day. We went to the gym. We you know, went on double dates with our girls and like everything was high fives and good times. And we're getting towards, you know, September, all of a sudden he gets this new paperwork. He's going to be going. You to know what's crazy, by the way? I, I mean, I don't think I've said it on the show. I met Glenn for probably five to 10 minutes. It may have been that summer, I believe, where he we went to Sirius XM and I just got to say hi. Yeah. That, I mean, but Ian, you remember that because that's how big of a personality he was. Oh, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I just, I'm wondering because the timeline, it was really shortly before there. I mean, you know, I was working with Brandon Webb, I was working on Andrew Wilkow's show and he came by with him and said, hey, this is Glenn, you know, he's a Navy SEAL contractor. And I assume, you know, I don't know if you remember if he took a trip to New York City because that's where it was. He did. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, again, this nucleus of people that Glenn is is close with, right? Think about Clint, 100 Deadly Skills. Think about Brandon, Mike Ritland, Shane Hyatt. These are four guys who were all in Team 3 all together. They were all Glenn's really close friends that all went on to have these kind of semi, like, called famous. No, all of them are successful. All of them are successful. It's nuts. Like, it's very rare. I don't know of any other 
SEAL team that would have that many people yeah. go on to best-selling podcasts and books and speaking engagements and all the things. Very, sure. very unique. Glenn, again, he's the nucleus of, of all these guys. Like They're all together, and he's that kind of central figure keeping everyone together. Um, we, we, we called Glenn the Facebook before Facebook. He would write letters like into like in 2012, he's still handwriting letters to our old ski bum friends in Utah, yeah. keeping people connected. Uh, he was that glue. So that summer was the best summer. We, 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 our local friends here in San Diego and Encinitas really revered that summer. And it was just, you know, like all, all the things, the parties, the dinners, the, 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 the fitness, the time on the beach. Like it was just, it was like soaking it up. And this is where I get a little woo-woo spiritual, but I swear to God, it's like he knew. And he got every ounce of juice out of that squeeze that summer. And right before he left to go to the airport in September, you know, his hand was finally better. He was fine. He was ready to go. And we had this tradition. Uh, I'd never, ever take him to the airport, but this time he'd asked me to. He's like, hey, you know, take me down to the airport. And I'm like, yeah, man. And we talked and I'm like, are you going to be good? Are you going to be good? And it was, it was a very different exchange. And I swear to God, he knew he wasn't coming back. And, and I don't say that in hindsight. I felt that. Then. And I talked to my girlfriend, Heather, who became my wife, about that feeling. And she's like, something feels different this time. And, you know, it was, I still get goosebumps thinking about that, but Man, he really made – he took care of everyone. He got everyone lined up in a really good way to be okay once he was gone. And, you know, I was – as you guys know, I was Glenn's executive of his estate. I ran all of – like everything that was Glenn-related legally fell into my lap. I was listed as his next of kin. So on 9-11, there's this little news buzz I get a text from someone like, hey, man, there's some weird stuff going on in Libya. Because just a close, a few of us knew he was in Libya. I'm like, oh, yeah, but that's that's in Benghazi. Glenn's in Tripoli. Like, he's nowhere near that. Yeah, yeah. I shoot Glenn a note that night. I still have the email. You know, man, just be careful over there. Just keep a heads up. I talked to him the day before. We, we always spoke when he was on deployments. He'd get a sat phone. He'd call and check in, make sure I wasn't killing the plants. And... And we spoke the day before because he'd just broken up with his girlfriend and he's like, Hey, make sure, make sure she's okay. Check in on her. Like, you know, like very good Glenn housekeeping stuff. Um, and then, you know, I, I go to bed that night, I write him that email and I wake up in the morning and it's like, it's all over the news, but no one knows what happened. No one knows. Like it was too early on. I mean, shit, Chris, you were still there. I, I mean, yeah, you were still yeah. in it. We're, you, we're still in it. You weren't out of it yet, and no news had picked up on what had happened. <clears throat> I just had a funny feeling, and and that's it. It was the extension of the funny feeling from the week prior when he left. Because remember, he was only there for like three days. Yeah, he, he had just returned on his office, the office office break. He had just returned into country, and, and uh, yeah, I remember. I, I no, I remember. I, I bro, I remember when they uh, I, and and I, I did say this. I remember when they came in. I, I saw him. I saw the militia bring him in and people don't know. And I don't, you probably know they got there at midnight. They actually got there 
to, to Benghazi. We just, we had no assets to help them get the 10 kilometers that knew where the hell we were at. Yeah. Um, but I, I still remember when they parked, I had that front gate and I remember looking down, I saw them walking in and I remember I started, you know, I was like, Oh great. Hey, I, and I saw the other three guys. I saw Bub and I'm like, yeah, welcome to the party guys. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Better late than never. And yeah, glad you're here. I was like, uh, and, and, but I knew I could say that and laugh and I, I and I knew they, you know, Bub just, Bub looked up and he just did this. He goes, he goes like this. Cause he's like fucking Tano, shut up. You know, it's really like that sort of thing. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember everybody went into building C except for Glenn who walked behind and I saw him get up on building C cause Roan was up there and, and he wanted to go see Roan. And to me, it was like, well, everybody else to me, in my head, I'm going the two Delta guys, the three other GRS guys, the other, the other interpreter, they're all going to hide. It wasn't me. It was, they're going to hide. Guess who's coming up on the roof. Yep. It's Bub. Well, that that's pretty much, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Out, yeah. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> And I got backfilled. Obviously, you were there in real time, and and I'm learning about this. Now, keep in mind, best friend for life, we don't talk about this stuff. Yeah. We don't talk about what he actually did on the job, and and that was just kind of our thing. So I'm learning about all of these 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 things after the fact, and I mean. I'm literally the guy that you would see from the movie that has the black SUV pull up to the front of this house. And I will give you one small side story on that. One of the guys who gets out of the car is actually somewhat of a friendly, a guy named used uh, or juiced. Uh, Yo, I know. No, I know. I know. I know. Yo, Yos, uh, he's, Yo, he's, he's Yo, a, he's a great guy. No, no, no. Yos is a, he's a great guy. He's and he actually, no, I, I can't, I won't say anything else because he's still working. But um, yeah, he's. Oh, he's I didn't know that. Um, yeah, well, he may have quit now. He might have just I'm quit gonna recently. Say, I'm gonna say he quit because I'm gonna I'm gonna dime a great great story that ties back to. Okay. All right. So, Glenn, you know, go back two years. We're we're roommates, and Glenn is overseas. He writes me an email like, "Hey, man, I really need you to do something for me." I'm like, All right, "What do you need?" He's like, "There's a drawer in my office." And there's uh, there's a there's a thing in it. It's a stamp. I need you to find this stamp, and I need you to mail it. Priority mail. Yeah. Come on, that's like twelve bucks. That's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> to my buddy, Yost. Yost. Yeah. Yost. And uh, I'm like, what the? F-? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Not paying twelve bucks. Doing that for you. And he explains the whole thing. He's like, okay, so here's the deal. He's like, it's a real pain in the ass to keep requalifying for your medical standards. And a couple of years ago, I may or may not have come into a doctor's stamp to certify that I pass all of my medical stuff. <laughs> so That's I may have the ability to requalify myself for my medical stuff. I'm like, hey, man, wow. He's like, hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and they're doing enough medical overseas. They're the ones that have to retrain us every year. So they're they're getting plenty doing in companies. We can do goat labs and stuff. That's who's that's who's getting us trained up. And even before the attack, Roan and I was pissed off. Two weeks before the attack, Roan put us through another combat lifesaver medical course, 18 Delta. I'm like, I'm like, fucking A Roan, dude. I, I extended, I am not running through another medical course. Oh, you get your ass out there, bro. Get your ass out there, Tom. But 
Yost, Yost is, for those that don't know, Yost is actually in the movie. Yeah, you know, if you've watched 13 hours, that's that's I'll say that right now. I don't care. I'm I'm diving you out, Yost. That's you. <laughs> but that's that's how accurate we wanted to make sure he's he's but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So so Yost so Yost is the guy I'm mailing this to. All right, so that's I'm outing Yost on that one. So Glenn's like, you gotta mail this thing, you gotta get it over to Yost, the stamp. So I do it. I never forget it because it's such a unique name. And of course, I got the story of like these guys hacking the system. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, it's him. And you know, I'm like, I was I was like, okay, man, that's pretty good. I got to give it to you. That's so, and that's again, that's that mischievous nature that's built into who Glenn was. And I'm like, hats off, man. I never knew what that stamp was doing in there. Like, whatever. Send that over to him. Yost is the guy who shows up at my doorstep. Oh, yeah. And and they they wanted a friendly. They wanted someone that could help with, um, you know, to share that news. And it's also very unique. Like Glenn had me listed as his next of kin, not his mom, not his sister. He wanted me to be able to help broker and break the news should anything happen. Um, And that was the start of what I realized was going to be a a life-changing event um, that was, you know, kind of spiriting legacy forward. And, you know, so they come in and they tell me the news and, you know, I don't need to tell you guys how impactful that was. And I kind of immediately have to go into action mode. News cameras showed up outside my door two hours later. Wow. Um, My wife is a feature reporter for Fox News. So thank God she knew how to manage that situation. Um, And our, our, our home became this central operating zone in that first you know, 72 hours and, you know, Yost and the, and the team that was there from the CIA asked me, they're like, Hey, you know, we, we have cars outside of Barbara Doherty's house, Glenn's mom's house. Do we have your permission to, to go and tell her? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. And I'm like, God, do I call Barbara first? And I'm like, I don't, you know, I think this has to happen this way. Next thing I know it's Dover air force base. Yeah. And I took a step back and I'm like, you guys go there. And all of a sudden, I'm drinking through a fire hose of what actually happened. And that journey really continued on for years. Um, I was invited to the congressional hearing in Benghazi. I had to deal with all the paperwork of wow. for Glenn's insurance claims. Yeah. And 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 you know, and, and all of a sudden, like again, I'm I'm <clears throat> part of a national story. Um, not in the front of it. I'm, I'm very much behind the scenes, but I'm, I'm thrust into this experience that in a way was healthy because it didn't allow me to get swallowed into grief. For It kept you, it kept I, you I busy. Lost, I lost my brother. This kept me busy. Everyone came to me to find out what was next, what was happening. So there was a massive funeral service in Winchester, Massachusetts, where we were raised. It turned- I, I assume you're going to mention this, but for the audience that doesn't know, uh, and they should know, none of which was paid for by you know the government, the CIA, all paid the, for the, by I, you guys. You guys and the and the seal fa- we we knew we knew the seal foundation came in and helped out a bunch too. We, we all we all all of us were all still working. We actually, me and Jack and Boone went back to Yemen after we we we're, we're like we're like okay, you know, to hell with this. We're we're getting out of here. And Tig went to Lebanon, and Oz was still trying to get his arm reattached but yeah 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 go, go ahead we, we i heard from the outside guys were telling us what was going on but yeah if you could tell me i because I, I don't know a lot of this 
So, you, you know, I mean, I mean, it was very much the media. I, I should back step. So the media shows up at my house. Brandon Webb shows up and, and Brandon, um, he really puts his best foot forward. Um, and, and, you know, I've known Brandon a long time. I know all the bad business stuff that went on with Glenn Brandon and like investing in houses that they couldn't flip that lost a bunch of money. Um, and, and Brandon shows up and now he's in this media role back East, but he was out in, in California at the time. And he just, he blocked everything. He didn't jump on camera. He didn't do anything. He just literally stiff armed uh, and kept the media away. That was a huge valuable service at the time because I didn't know what to, I just knew I wasn't talking to anyone. And, you know, I, I, I knew that this was not something where I wanted to, I didn't care to be in front of a camera. I had, I had shit to solve. I had, I had problems to solve. I had people to tell and talk to and open myself up to planning and logistics, like funeral in Massachusetts, people getting out there, um, and, and that was very much controlled by from the Doherty side, um, you know, Catholic service, um, uh, you know. But I I was a check writer too, so I had to go to the funeral home and stroke the checks and like wow. take care of these things because that was the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and get the right people out there for this very national, very public event. And again, cameras and news stuff everywhere. Um. And, and then it was come home and then it was like, okay, I had instructions from Glenn of what to do. He knew like, you know, we had all of our paperwork was done. Like, you know, we had this whole agreement in place from January of 2012. I left my will to Glenn. Glenn left his will to me. Okay. If I die first, he gets all my shit, <laughs> all my debt. He gets everything. <laughs> What's the plan if I die? If Sean dies first, Glenn goes out and throws a huge rager. If Glenn <laughs> dies first, I throw a huge rager for him. And we had this little group, this, a joke that we called the cult of recreationalism. And the goal was, hey, man, take everything and go out and celebrate life. Like just go out and just go heli skiing, go surfing, have all the adventures, do all the cool things. Literally, we're talking about this over dinner. When I die, I want you to do this. <laughs> Take all of our friends and, and do the cool things. And that's what we were – that's what I was supposed to do. So I'm in the middle of this very public experience, and it's, it's weeks after Glenn died, and I'm planning this massive celebration of life in Del Mar, California at the Del Mar Racetrack. <laughs> and we're talking the guest list is like 500-plus people. Wow. It's a packed house and it's bring everyone together for this celebration. And I, you know, it was, this is how many lives. Glitched. So yeah. I have to plan an entire weekend around this. There's a Friday block party at our house. That was like, I had to legally get permits from the police. <laughs> There's a paddle out in Encinitas on Saturday to scatter Glenn's ashes. Okay. Then there's the Del Mar party Saturday night. So everything has this theme. You know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with CrossFit, but, you know, Dave Castro. We, and we, we've talked some shit about CrossFit before, not going to lie. Good, good. Well, <laughs> I know you guys drop, were. I'm going to name drop some cats that, that I'm buddies with. So you, you can make fun of it all you want. I don't care. It's it's. I am I am nowhere near as badass to Glenn Doherty. Now, Bob, Bob, used to, Bob used to CrossFit Tripoli. Him and another CrossFitter to be out there and – 
And no, I, Bub was a huge CrossFitter. And we, you know, we, the Bub, we, honestly, the Bub workout, I've got the Bub work. It's, it's a kick in the ass. It's, it's a, a good way to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. It's a great workout. Oh, yeah. God, that, that one. So, so, you know, we're having this huge barbecue and an event and there's bands playing on the street. All my neighbors come out to celebrate Glenn. And it is an incredibly touching moment of community coming together. Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit and Dave Castro, they come up and, and I know them. I, I, I knew them back then. Like we had kind of run in the same social circles and they come and pay their respects and, all of our friends from Winchester, the text thread buddies I was telling you about, they all come out and everyone's just together the way Glenn would want. And it was an incredibly, I barely remember the weekend because I was busy making sure the next thing happened. Um, but it was, it, it all went off like the next morning after, after the block party, we do the paddle out. And I really wanted to make sure it was very inclusive and shared. And, you know, like my buddy, Marty, does a speech in the middle of this huge paddle. There's a hundred people on surfboards that are, that are out in Encinitas off, you know, right off Swami's and, and he's scattering the ashes and giving a speech. And then, you know, you go to the next thing and it's Del Mar and you've got hundreds of people together. And it was just like the perfect way to pull everyone together and celebrate this legacy. And there was crying and laughing and drinking and all the things. Um, and then that, that, that left. Right. And there's always that quiet after death. And there's always that quiet of like, now you got the rest of your life. And different from other deaths that I've experienced and we've all experienced, Glenn never left. First, it was the foundation. Let's start a foundation to solve the problem that Glenn had. What to do next? Fill gaps in the GI Bill for continued education. So when Tonto wants to go out, and start his next company, he can go get his master's degree and not have to go out of pocket tens of thousands of dollars. Let's help him do that. Then it's 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 the Benghazi congressional hearings. Now, all this while I'm unpacking Glenn's shit. And by shit, I mean, like, how do I solve for his employment? And I realize like there's a whole life insurance policy that Glenn has. And so I file with the Weatherford group or whatever it was called. The, yeah. The, the DBA at the Weatherford group, the defense base act insurance that we all, yeah. yeah. So I didn't know what the defense base act was, but I learned. And all of a sudden here I am settling Glenn's estate. And, you know, I, I do, I do basically with all of Glenn's liquid cash, I give a quarter of it to his mom, a quarter of it to his sister, a quarter of it to his brother. Right. And I keep a quarter of it and start an investment account called the cult of recreationalism. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I can have these adventures with our, all of our mutual friends and celebrate Glenn for years and years to come. That was, that was the, that was it. That was, that was the plan. That's awesome. Well, then there's the life insurance and I'm like, well, I have to go after Glenn's life insurance. And, and, and again, rule of four. Um, so what I realized is that the defense base act doesn't cover guys like Glenn. Oh, he's a 1099 and he was single. He wasn't married and he didn't have children. He didn't qualify. And yeah. I remember, I remember that shit. That pissed, now, yeah. Here I am going through this and I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, and I'm going to use some curse language here. Why the fuck would the central intelligence agency have an independent contractor sign an insurance policy 
that by design would never pay. It just didn't exactly. make sense. And we're, and we're paying into that. Yes, are. People out there, we are paying a large sum of money every time we go out. It's it's I, I can't, It's like $5,000 that we have to pay before we even, and we can't leave unless we have that sign. Correct. And that was, with, when that happened with that, Sean, that's when we, we didn't know. Because all of us, you know, I'm like Glenn. We're like, oh, they got us. You know, we're used to the military, SGLI. Yeah, we're not reading the fine damn print. That's when a lot of us, that incident right there is when a lot of us started to go, what the fuck? You mean we've been not covered even though this is yeah, – keep, keep, what, what happened, man? So, I, I had, so so here I am again. The congressional hearings for McDonald's <clears throat> are yeah. just starting. Like the Hillary Clinton is going to yeah. get dragged through the mud is just the beginning stages. Yeah. One of my buddies, Charlie Shannon, um, you know, he was working at the State Department. Yeah. He's watching the sidelines just like, oh, man. And all the Winchester guys are talking, and here I am in this very – I'm in this position. Wow. I'm, just, I'm going through Glenn's files. I'm pulling up stuff off his computer, and I'm just like, what? What is this? So I'm stuck in a position now – not stuck. I, it was really an opportunity where I'm like, okay, I can tuck tail and accept that this Rutherford Insurance Group is not going to pay this policy, or I can go to battle. And I said, I got to go. I got to go to battle. Yeah. Yeah. So holy shit, guys. The next thing I know, I am filing a federal lawsuit against the United States government and this insurance company with my name on it. No one else's name on behalf of the estate of Glenn Doherty saying this isn't right. And I was working with an incredible attorney named Michael Mortensen who is like the definition of David versus Goliath. And, you know, we paired up and it was a genuine like, oh shit moment. Like get ready for this. Cause you're going to, you're going to be in the news. Now you're going to come out from the shadows. You're no longer behind the scenes. And I didn't know if we had a prayer of winning, but I had to change that. That wasn't right. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to Glenn's family about it. And of course they were, they were very much in favor of doing this, sure. um, but they didn't have to be in front of it. I did. Um, and that's fine. Like, that's just the way, that's the way we had designed it. Like I took this job from Glenn and this responsibility and it was, that was the thing to do. So I filed the lawsuit and I went to federal court and I remember looking at these guys and being like, I'm looking at the representatives of Rutherford insurance. And I'm like, this isn't right. And they were kind of standing behind the defense base act. They're like, well, this is, this is what it is. I'm like, it doesn't make it right. So they didn't pay out. They didn't have to pay out. They knew they were going to win the lawsuit. The judge is admonishing them about doing the right thing. And they made it like a, a pittance gesture, you know, yeah. Yeah. thousand bucks. I'm like, when they, said, they get like 25,000. Yeah. But I didn't let it stop. So I'm like, you guys know that I'm going to go to the media. I will make this a really big deal. And they were the on the insurance side, so they didn't really care. So the next thing I get, I, I'm pushing with the law firm, with Mortensen. Well, I kind of need to get to Washington. And I need to talk with members of Glenn's old employment because ultimately they're the ones who set this whole thing in motion. And I end up getting a meeting with John Brennan, the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. 
Okay. Yeah. Me, the guy who used to be a sponsored snowboarder, who worked in active sports, <laughs> who like is bros with, you know. Dude, I'm, I'm sorry though. You you got more brains than he. I'm, I don't give a shit if he's listening to everybody. He's got more brains than he does anyway. So hey, you got the advantage on this guy. So so we go in there and we're having these meetings. I get to see Glenn's old desk, like not his desk, but like the little zone at the very yeah front of the yeah there yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. is. I'm like, man, they could have given you guys a better wing. I know, no, we we like get the broom closet on the back so when you walk in and it's testing. <laughs> Every intelligence officer deploying overseas, and they got you the broom closet. And we got in the broom closet. Yep, that was hilarious. Yep. <laughs> and I'm there to take a fight. And and I'm there to review Glenn's paperwork that they have blacked out all over, but they're bringing me into a private room to review things and look at this. And I'm, you know, like I had a plan, which was fix this. I can't fix it for Glenn. I was past that. I knew that the, the legal thing, but I knew but I should be able to fix it for you. I should be able to fix it for the other guys that Glenn worked with. So I get this meeting with John Brennan and he sits down and I kind of give him the same, you know, intro spiel. And I'm like, Hey man, like, you know, this isn't right. You're having guys enter into some agreements that, that don't work. And you know, and I know that the kinds of people you're pulling into this line of work, are divorced, they're single, they don't have kids, they don't qualify for this program. And it's not right. And he kind of gave up, you know, he kind of fluffed it up like, like, oh, well, like, you know, this is just the way the program's designed. I said, I don't think the media would enjoy learning about this. And I was like, holy fuck, I'm threatening the director of the Central Intelligence Agency at a table. Like we're looking each other right in the eyes. And he just said, doesn't really kind of like push his head off. And he says, okay, well, we'll, we'll take this under review. And yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to get kicked under the table because I, you know, I lay it out there. I'm like, you guys got to fix this. And if you don't fix it, I, I got, I give zero fucks right now. I will go after this. And it took a while because these things take a while. But they made one gesture that made me know that they heard me and they just said, well, we will be looking into this. And that was enough. And the attorney kind of gives me the side look like we're cool. And they knew them. like, this is K&L Gates. They're a major law firm. And they, they we walked out of the room and Katie, Glenn's sister is there. Yeah. And we're sweating bullets. We're just like, oh, oh my God, like that was the craziest 10 minutes of my life. And the next thing you know, um, we're getting chatter back through the attorneys because they are attorneys and our attorneys, like everyone attorneys are talking. Um, we get word that they're going to start offering um, disclosures to guys prior to service to understand the definition of the Defense Base Act so that when you go overseas, Chris, and you go under next deployment, you understand that the Rutherford insurance that you have to pay for isn't going to do anything mm-hmm. for you and you should go and pursue a supplemental policy. And I was like, that's a win. That's a win for the next generation. That's a win for the guys that get into this line of work in the future. Be educated, eyes wide open. That's the, that was the most I thought I could hope for. This is where I give John Brennan props. He didn't stop there. He went out and he retroactively paid Every single family of every contractor that died overseas since Beirut 
He went back to the 80s. We're talking about 50-plus families that fell into that hole just like Glenn did. And he paid every one of them, you know, $100,000, $200,000. That's big money. That's big, yeah. And he didn't have <clears throat> but he did it because of that meeting and that, that exchange that Kate and the attorneys and, and we all had. And he, he did the right thing. So that's my props to John Brennan. He dug into his wallet. He went into that budget and he changed lives for the better after tragedy happened. And, you know, we, we all know the movie Zero Dark Thirty. Um, there was a, a big incident there where I, I yeah, I know uh, South Side. I know those guys. Yeah. And, and I got a call from, you know, one of the families in an email from them that said, hey, you know, we didn't think we could ever pay these medical bills, these funeral bills. And all of a sudden a check shows up for 200 grand and it happened because of you. Uh, did you know, for, did you know, you know, Jeremy, did you know? No. Was that so I, I didn't okay. know any of these cats. Okay. Um, and I, I didn't think that this would happen, but then it happened. Well, what, what you did and cause guys found out about it, what you did and to help with that is we found out and we didn't know it was you. We we're like, okay, wait, there's something going on here. Guys were going into sign contracts, seeing the DBA and going, Nope, we're not. So you gave guys, unbeknownst, we didn't know it was you, but guys were hearing the scuttlebutt of, Oh, wait a second. They're not paying out. Oh, hell no. Okay. Well, guess what guys? I'm not going. And when enough guys did that, they can't, they can't backfill all of us. Yeah. So what, what you, what you did, even though we didn't know it was you and I was like, Holy fuck. Well, that was you. All right. Well, cool. Awesome job. Is that you gave guys just the notice by getting it out there that Holy shit, he wasn't paying. Cause we, we were still working. We weren't talking about it because yeah. we weren't allowed to. Yeah. Um, that guys were, and that's the thing is I said, when I went to sign my contract again, to go out, I looked at it and I'm like, Hey guys, now I have a family, so I know my family, but I'm like, you guys, I'm, I'm, you actually, yeah, yeah, you exactly. Ty but, was, was covered. Like Ty was, was covered. like Dorothy yeah. was covered. Yeah. Glenn wasn't. And it just, it just wasn't right. It, that's horse shit. You life insurance is life insurance. You designate your beneficiary. And he did, he had designated a beneficiary and everything. And it, yeah, and it, it is. And it's in that contract. I, I, but I've been at that time. I'd been working with the agency for seven years. I had never read that because honestly, we, we don't operate. We don't sit down and go through like you guys got our backs. Gotcha. Yeah. What do you do? A little casual Saturday night reading. I'm going to read the Defense Space Act. <laughs> but, and, and here's the other thing we can't do. We're not allowed to take that paperwork off property. No, you're not. So we can't go. We can't go have a lawyer look at it for us. Like, no, no. So, brother, what you did is is uh, is you allowed guys to say, fuck you, I'm not signing this, where they had to make some changes. And I'm glad it did. Enough guys did it. Enough guys pushed it back the other side of the table that they changed it. So outstanding, outstanding. That's a great story because I didn't know all that. I didn't know that was you. That's awesome. I, because of my buddy that got fucked over and I didn't like it. And I was, oh. I, I mean, it was, it was scary. And then, you know, going to those congressional hearings and sitting down with Trey Gowdy, who I've got a ton of respect for and Elijah Cummings, and then learning I, I, through operators about Glenn's journey. You know, Glenn's journey that night was, you know, you had your journey, Chris. And, and I mean, in a lot of ways, that's, it's far more harrowing. I know Glenn's perspective. And of course I'm naturally glommed to this, this guy who's like, 
running around with a bag full of money trying to buy an airplane or rent one for, for the night. And, and he saved. I, I, I do a lot of public speech, speaking now. I've actually gotten decent at it. Um, and I remember I tell people, selfless service. That's what we serve for. We give ourselves. We're willing to sacrifice each other. I said, Ben, I say, Bub is the perfect example of that. His selfless service, his willingness to find us a plane when no American assets would come. None of them wanted to come to find a plane. And, and it wasn't all executives jet. It actually was. It was, it was a freaking, it was a nice ass jet when it landed. Dave Ubin, I don't know if you knew this. Dave Ubin had lost, his arm had been severed right here and his leg had been severed. Yeah. Dave, um, he was actually having convulsions because he was bleeding out and we were running out of IV bags. Oz's was still bleeding out. We didn't have enough IV, IV, IV bags to keep them going from the flight from Benghazi to Tripoli. If Bob wouldn't have gotten that flight there, both those guys would have died. They would have bled out. So his willingness to sacrifice himself, and I, and I know he sees it from up there. I know he's looking at it. He saved two lives. He gave himself to save two extra lives. And uh, and I, I make sure everybody knows about this after I got out of the politics. The politics, I, I let it get to me too much. And I was able about four years ago to finally say, fuck it. I am not doing Rowan or Bub or the ambassador, Sean, a, 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 a service by getting on a side. And I never took a side when I was deploying. I didn't care. No. And I'm and Bob didn't care. We, no, we didn't give no, no, politics wasn't there, man. There was no. something else. And, and it doesn't yeah. do, you know how you vote and how you stand yeah. all that stuff like that, that doesn't bring him back. Uh, yeah. And, and by the way, which is why it's so ridiculous that Benghazi gets called like this right wing conspiracy theory. That was kind of our, that was our faults for, for going on. But I, I, and I'll tell people I admit that. No, but a- it's not though. I mean, you, you did have to combat it to some degree because I remember watching, you know, and, and we've said that we like other things he's done, but like, I remember watching John Stewart call it like a right wing, you know, conspiracy theory of what happened. And, and then you needed to be out there to say that's bullshit. Hey, that's not what it was. Yeah. It, it's, it's go ahead, go ahead, Sean. Go no, ahead, no, please. No, it, this is this is weird part. Like you did jump on to like stand up for what you felt was right, and there was a chapter for that to be told. And yes, it became this lightning bolt political issue, but you know, for for kind of the right reasons. Like there was a lot of stink around that, and there was things that didn't make sense, and there were things that sure some guys rode a political wave off of it. That's the nature of that industry. I don't begrudge that but if there's a positive that came out of it they weren't forgotten yeah and that's that is exactly where i get there's positives so many positives that came out of that night one is the ability to be willing to sacrifice yourself for another person which in this country people aren't willing to whether maybe just to hold the door open or let somebody else get in line at the grocery store i said that's as simple as it is yes bub is the extreme but that's the example, and that's what, as, as Americans, that's what we are. Yep. We are the ability to give ourselves for others. Yep. And, um, yeah, it, it did piss me off, the conspiracy part of it, though, because, uh, Sean, I was I, I, I was shooting over their heads. I was 30 meters away pulling the trigger, and I watched. I watched through my night vision every mortar hit. So I'm watching, and I'm watching. Uh, I, I No, I, I, I saw them. Yeah. And, um. And, I, and it is, you know, you say there was that lull in your battle. There's lulls. When that last one hit, the fire for effect, the boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And all of a sudden they disappeared. I, 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 there was a silence for just a second. I look up and I see all four guys there. And then all of a sudden I look up in there and they're fucking. Yeah, and they're, gone. 
Yeah. So, um, brother, you, you did- like, like knowing, knowing that Glenn gave it his all, knowing that he went up onto that roof, knowing that he pursued that airplane, knowing that he did all the things that other people wouldn't do. Just, I, it's a goosebump moment. I'm going to cry later. Um, it's still fucked up I, eight years later. I, I, but I, I do. I, I, you know, like it's, it's, it's like, that's the, that's the stuff that keeps that fire burning in me and, and, and keeps me inspired. It's, it's knowing he died, but he did everything to die the best possible. And <laughs> And he said, and he and he gave two people lives. He saved. He saved. He saved their. He saved their lives. I I I let everybody know when I talk. I always say that. I make sure. And I also let him know that I wish we could would have got more of his humor in the movie because I said, you know, the guy that played him, Toby Toby uh, Wright, is that his name? Toby. Yeah. Uh, Toby. Yeah, Toby. I don't know. I, I yes. I said he he did all right, but Bub. I said Bub was a lot more even funnier than that. Well, I. I I got to ask you that, Sean, because um, and and we have to talk Bubs, and I know you know we only I know like, we to Chris, but so well, Chris has to go. I think right. You have to give some we, we, stuff, we, right? Yeah, we got we we but got here. I, I do have to ask you that though, because people I know who have seen the movie who know Chris always say Pablo Schreiber oh, he, nailed he, Chris. He, That's yeah, content. He, he Did you feel that same way with Glenn? No. Um, and that okay. made it better. That honestly made it better. That that's of no fault to the actor. Yeah. That played Glenn. That played Bub. It was that. So I didn't want to watch the movie. I didn't want to read the book. I didn't want to know you, Chris. I didn't want like I, I didn't want to know any of that stuff. Um, and for me, when I I was invited to the premiere, so so you guys know the backstory, right? Yeah. Um, the backstory of how I Dorothy and I were approached by another film company. No, I, if right. I did, I don't. I'm remember. sorry, we're gonna run over, but I'm gonna. Okay, go 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 go. So so when Glenn died again. Congressional hearings. All of a sudden, there's this this news article that pops. It gets forwarded to me from the KNL Gates people about this group of guys that lived through Benghazi. They were writing a book called 13 Hours. And I was like, okay, what? All right. I mean, Glenn would have written. Glenn did write a 21st century sniper with Brandon. Like, okay, like I get it. And then it's there's talk of a movie. So KNL Gates, this attorney's firm that also happened to be have a, their big law firm. They're all over the country. And they say, hey, we want to put you in touch with our entertainment wing just so you're protected, so you know what happens. And I said, okay. So I meet an attorney for K&L Gates, and we, we do a meeting. I tell her Glenn's story, kind of like how we started this. I'm like, larger than life, life of the party, great guy. And she's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. She's like, have you ever thought that someone could approach you about a book or a movie about Glenn? I said, No. I mean, he's cool, but he's not that cool. And, <laughs> and six months goes by and I get another phone call. Hey, are you willing to meet with some people in Los Angeles? I said, I guess so. <laughs> there's a film company called Relativity. Relativity. Uh, yeah. um, there's a woman named Robbie Brenner who produced a movie called The Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, yeah. It starred Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. And um, she'd really like to meet with you, and I want you to just tell her your story. So I drive to L.A. They reimburse me for gas. Um, <laughs> and I have dinner, or I have a meeting with this woman, Robbie Brenner. And she brings in another guy whose name I don't remember, who's the director of Captain Phillips. And 
I was like, oh, these are like Oscar winning films. Yeah. And I tell him the Glenn story and I'm all animated and this and that. And then I leave. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't care about Hollywood people. I, I'm, I, you know, it was cool to meet them. They were very polite. They were very gracious and they were very excited. So I started getting phone calls from them. Hey, we want to tell Glenn's story. And I kind of back up and I'm like, well, you can't tell Glenn's story without telling Ty's story. And to tell Ty's story, you got to talk to Dorothy. Now, keep in mind, Dorothy and I became simpatico and allies in this kind of post Benghazi world. Dorothy was my dentist briefly before Benghazi happened. Like I got my teeth cleaned back in like months before. <laughs> that's it. You know, that this is how these worlds collide. And so they contact Dorothy. Dorothy and I talked briefly about it and we both realized that this is an opportunity to tell these guys' story from a very different lens. They didn't want to tell they want to make a war movie. They wanted to make a no. movie about Glenn's journey, which was the only thing that appealed to me. I ended up signing a life rights agreement to Relativity Media. And at the same time, boom, there's this 13 hours movie with some famous director who'd done a bunch of war movies. And all of a sudden, it was the Captain Phillips guy versus um, the famous war movie guy. And, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. M- Michael Bay. Hey, Michael, Michael Bay. Bay, shit. So. But it's a completely different story. I don't, why are they even competing? It's co- totally it different. It was a race to the finish line. And it was in, there were news articles in like, you know, Hollywood news articles. Yeah. I, I didn't see it. One was going to go first. And I, I had no idea. You didn't even know. I had, the, 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 I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got called and I signed the contract and I, you know, I have to navigate it with Glenn's family. And I'm like, hey guys, like, buck stops here. I'm going to, you know, I think this is the right thing to do and everyone's going to get paid and there's money involved. And, and I didn't care about that part. Like, keep in mind, like, I'm not, I'm not here to profit. From yeah, this. yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, this is Glenn's legacy. Here I am the shepherd of this legacy. This is an opportunity. And I was like, would Glenn not want a movie to be made about how cool he was? So I'm in on it. I'm like, this is cool. At the same time, no offense. I'm like, Fuck you, 13 hours, guys. <laughs> We're getting way cooler than you. And six months later, six months later, Relativity files for bankruptcy. Oh, shit. You motherfuckers. But that, but that story's still out. I think I, I, I think they both should. A life story would be excellent. I think it still should be told. I think it's still. I've got the script. So this oh, guy, a, a great writer named Matthew Sands. Um, I do like four mm-hmm. interviews with him. I, I put him in touch with Glenn's family, all of our high school friends, the Utah buddies, SEALs, everyone in Glenn's community. I open it up and I, I mean, I lay it bare. It's actually was an incredibly healing process for me to recount Glenn's stories and Glennisms. And I'm at dinner with this guy bawling my eyes out. He's got the recorder out and I can barely put words out. Heather's there, my wife, and she's telling her stories about Glenn and and we lay the whole thing out and he's like, holy shit, like I've got a great movie here and a great director wow. and a great team. And he's like, this is going to be awesome. And then they file for bankruptcy and nothing ever happens. With it. So Matthew, the writer, you know, he writes me an email. He's like, yo, man, for what it's worth, here's a draft. Like never wow. going anywhere, but here you go. And I've been sitting on it ever since. And I'm like, you know, maybe one day someone's going to want to tell the uh, story. I think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome. And I, I said the same thing in the movie. I was like, Toby, 
because Toby, we really had no way, and Toby didn't want to cut the guy that played 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 uh, played Bub. He never wanted to come talk to us about about Bub. The, our characters are great because you know we're alive. We can. I, I I'm still friends with Pablo. I got to talk to Pablo, and and whenever he would do something like, no, that's how I did it. With Toby, it was at least come. T- he never wanted to. So all I could say is like, brother, if that's the case, and I told Michael Bass, I said, I said, just make sure there's some at least some one-liners in there because Bub did a lot of one-liners. But yeah, Toby's too too gruff. Bub was confident, but he wasn't. He was. He never postured. He wasn't like. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't posture. Yeah, yeah. around all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Crack yeah. joke. He would take the stress. Yeah. Of the situation, the tension. And you would crack wise and lighten the mood. Yeah. And like, there, apparently, there's selfie photos of him on that jet going to Benghazi with the Delta guys. They're all like, mm. "Yeah, they're all." Uh, What's up? <laughs> I, and that's I gotta see those photos one day. I know they're they're in some hard drive in the CIA. That they're never see the light of day. But I'm, I'm like, one day, man, it would be uh, amazing if I could see that photo. We can see on the Lear jet. <laughs> Bro, if if be- the movie happens, it, and it would have to be in the right hands, you know, and not just be some like low budget thing, it would have to be a, a you know epic movie. Yeah. Um, but before I'm, we, I'm, good, I, I'm I, good on time, I'm good. On you're time good on time because no, I was going to say we well, I'll let you say whatever you want because I definitely want to get into the story behind Bob's Naturals, but I, I don't know if you wanted to get to something. Uh, no, that. I just, I just, no, I just, I, I, because this, this helps me. I, 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 um, I, I. I because Chris I, Arena generally was like, I got to be out top. I know, but hours. but um, <laughs> but a lot of this stuff because uh, it's it it you brought a lot of memories up and and uh, you know I I do enjoy our, I the movie I thought because we were heavily involved with it but that part of we just you know we weren't with Bob all we could do was figure out and tell okay this is what we believe we did this is what we're finding out they did but getting the personality I do want people to know out there if there's anything I wish we could have got better in the movie Bob's personality yeah it wasn't the posturing the one liners. That's fucking spot on. Yeah. But he was so, he was just, he would dance with flashlights like me. He would, he was a goofy, he was a goof. And, and so to style, but they were, and I, I think, but it'd be awesome to tell your story, to get that out there. And, 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 um, man, I'm all for it. If there's anywhere I could help, I mean, I'll put you in touch with three arts entertainment, the people that did ours, they're tremendous people out there. And, and maybe they're willing to talk because, uh, I think it'd be an awesome story because he lived a great, great life. It'd be a great, I, I mean, great life of, story. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys that'd be like, "Yeah, I was a ski bum for years and a river guide, and I uh, did a couple Ironmans, and then I decided to join Navy. <laughs> was a SEAL for ten years, and I did a bunch of contracts, and I was still ski bum, and then uh, you know, he toured with the Grateful Dead when he was a teenager. Yeah, that's, that's right. I said that. Dead, joined the Navy. Oh, so, so, yeah, and, and, we'll, we'll pick that up offline. Um, yeah. you know, who knows? I, I mean, I think it's amazing and I'm always inspired by it and excited by it. And, and, and we'll see. Um, and sorry about the race with 13. I had no idea there was a race. I'm just oblivious in my, I'm like, well, whatever. I'm just trying to movie chapter on this note. Um, because it, it, in the end of the day, I'm so glad it was made. I get invited to the premiere. So we have a mutual friend. Oh, yeah. And okay. Cirillo, Taco. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So Dan and I coach fitness together for fuck forever uh, at a gym called Seal Fit in Encinitas, owned by former Navy SEAL Mark Devine. We all okay. yeah. staff for him. Like I was the only non military guy, me and my buddy Danny Miller, that coached Seal Fit at that gym. So it was a really cool community to be a part of. 
um, running around with guys like Taco. So Taco's buddies were production guys behind Michael Bay. I get a phone call. Finally, the movie's made. It, they're starting to get ready for the premieres. And, um, and, and I, get, I get a phone call. Hey, we'd like you to come to the premiere of this movie. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I don't feel good about this. You never called me about details on Glenn. You never called me about anything you were doing. You never called Glenn's mother. Why, why do you think, why? I, I, I guess I can't even answer that question. Why? Why didn't they? I think because of the contracts that they had. I, I think it's just, it's a detail. But honestly, more than that, it was a straight up oversight. So, okay. So there was a girl, and I, I hate that I'm blanking on her name, but you know, do you know Anthony Arbito? Yes, I, Kelsey. I know Kelsey. Kelsey, his girlfriend. Kelsey. Kelsey's awesome. Kelsey. She's, so Kelsey yeah, yeah. is a rock star of a human. No, she's and she was Michael Bay's assistant. She was at Michael the time. Bay's assistant yeah. at the time. Yeah. She, I think, she just started dating um, Mr. Arbito, who I don't and know, but I know her. And he's awesome. He's, he's top notch brother. He's so, an awesome guy. So that's awesome why, guy. that's why you're so anyways, I get a phone call that the movie's coming out and this girl calls me, Kelsey. I said, Hey, I'm, I just start lighting her up. <laughs> you, know, you really could have sent flowers to Mrs. Doherty. You could have said something to her. You could have made a gesture, but you didn't. And she ate all the crow. She was just like, I am so, so sorry. I want to make it up to you. I want to do something. I'm like, well, you better make a donation to Glenn's charity. Like, do something here. And I'm I'm kind of a dick. So my wife, <laughs> eight months pregnant. So we can't fly anywhere. And I get invited to the big premiere at Dallas Stadium with everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Glenn's sister goes. Glenn's brother goes. And they all go to this big Hollywood thing. They meet all the all the famous stars, and yeah. John Krasinski's there, and yeah. you know he's from Massachusetts, so there's a bond and all that crap. I don't do any of that. I get invited to the premiere the next day in Coronado, also. Okay. Just done in Coronado for Team Guys. I go there with my wife, and I invite a couple other seals that I'm friends with that are still active duty, and we we all go watch the movie together. I didn't want to watch the movie. I didn't want to know what you went through. I didn't want to read the book. I wanted to remember Glenn the way I wanted to remember Glenn. I kind of did it begrudgingly, but I felt like it was an obligation. So Michael Bay's there, and I watched the movie. And, you know, I was grateful that I watched the movie. I was glad I watched the movie, especially with the, the community that I watched it with. And, you know, Glenn wasn't Glenn in the movie, so it made it easier for me. Sure, Watch him, quite sure. frankly. And we get done with the movie. And I'll never forget this. Kelsey's there. She's great. She's so friendly and nice. And Kelsey Beasler, she's nice. She is a sweetheart. She's awesome. And she she's awesome. like she to this day, we, we still know her through Bubs. Um, she's an incredibly nice person. So she introduces my wife and I to Michael Bay, who is like walking around like he'd had 15 vodkas the night before. He can barely fucking stand. And hung over, and he was not prepared for what happened. Well, what my wife laid into him like he was a three-year-old <laughs> about how dare he make a movie about someone and not do so much as call the guy's mother and let her know what was happening. 
And he was like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> I was literally like, I had to put my hand on her shoulder and pull her back with this giant eight-month belly, like marching into him, just hammering Michael Bay. It was so good. I was I was all prepped for it. I was like, I'm going to say a bunch of mean things. <laughs> she just, I didn't say a word. I was like, it's nice to meet you. And then <laughs> into him. But yeah, and that's because we didn't know. We we I didn't know who you were. If I'd have known, I'd have said, "Hey, go talk to Sean." But seeing it was with with us, and I think that's we probably was it. It wasn't because Michael Bay. I give him credit in the Hollywood scene. He is more happy and more proud to be around veterans. Yeah. And it, when you go to his house, one of his millions houses that he has in Florida, there's a wall, and it has no movie awards on it. It's all accommodations or thank yous plaques from all the SEAL teams he's worked with, all the SOCOM teams. So I, I know that probably hurt him immensely. I, I because think it did. And also it, what I gathered from it is like, he really didn't know. He didn't know. And, and we known, but he didn't know. So it really wasn't Kelsey. It wasn't Michael Bay. It was, it was the group. It was funny that my wife like. Yeah, that, that's an awesome story. Uh, and, you know, and these are the stories we get out of this experience. Like these, Funny moments like who the hell is going to meet Michael Bay, one of the most famous movie directors in the world, and lay into him, and then be able to lay into him. So that's Glenn. You, you could you could be honest. I'm wondering, did you did you like the film, regardless or not? I, I, that's I, so, so that's a fair question. Um, one, Michael Bay does really good work. Uh, he did, and, and and he. When people ask me about Benghazi, they ask me about Glenn. I am very quick to say you can watch that movie and without knowing Glenn, that's and knowing that if you want to know the Benghazi, that's as close to the truth as you're going to get. I'm like, yeah, there was Hollywood in there. There were maybe bigger explosions that really happened. I don't know. I wasn't there, but it felt right in terms of like helping onboard someone to what you guys went through. I think the deeper dive is the book. Um, the- and but books are always better. And yeah, we 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 here's the here's the the ridiculousness of the agency though. We can put our names in the book, but we couldn't put our names on the cover. That's why it says Benghazi Security Team. So people ask, well, the book Mitchell wrote it. Like, no, actually, we wrote it. Mitchell helped us get it together because you get a bunch of seals and marines and rangers trying to write a book. It's all over the freaking place. But it's like, no, we we wrote it, and so that's and the book was so therapeutic to write as well because. We were so spread out that night. I knew what Boone was doing pretty much because we were together the whole night. Right. Ron, he was. So when we were writing it, getting all of our stuffs down and putting it together, it was amazing to hear what guys were doing that, you know, I, I expected them to do the right things, which they all did. But to hear exactly where they were, what was going on. And then knowing what happened with Bob and and knowing, you know, because Tig got up there right when the attack happened. He, he was on the roof. Yeah. Uh, and. And to, and to hear him tell us what what he saw up there and, and everything. Um, and I can see that that mortar, because I was watching, I was watching that whole thing. I always cry. I have a hard time watching the movie now. I, I Easier then because it was an experience and I was taking it as experience. But now when I see the mortar going slow motion in Michael Bay fashion and Bub running to Roan, I that's that's what happened. Because yeah. that's what that's what I fucking and that again, that goes back to selfless service and bub and and um guys should aspire to be like that i said don't aspire to be like me or tig or oz right no you aspire to be like those guys because that's 
what you they they gave all, and they were willing to give all by being medics as well. I was like, that's the character, right? That, but I I would, you know, I mean, yes, everything you did, and yes, do what you did because you, if you were on the roof, if you had, if things had been slightly different, you would have done the same thing. That's that's it. Like that's not a that that's a statement about that group that you run with. the community like, that we're in wolves that look after each other and and it is a it's a wolf pack it's it's an amazing brotherhood and community and whether you are a marine or a ranger or delta or you know, like, you know i again i'm on the outside looking in but i've been around a lot of amazing people and i see that and it's it's awesome stuff. So it, 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 is. It, it is when you give those speeches and you're talking about that, like there is, a, there's a level up in every single one of us. If you can reach into yourself and find it. That is right on. Um, bro. I, it, I, I know. So good. No, no, go, go, uh, go ahead. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to cry myself. And I usually do break down a little bit. Um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, I, I can tell, I can feel myself tensing up. I am, so I'm, I'm not going to like, I'm more interested in <clears throat> celebrating the legacy than going back in and mining those details. Like, I, the, the, I, like yeah. details of what happened specifically that night, like the heroism overshadows the, the details of, uh, of being on that rooftop and, 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 you know, like what Glenn did to get there and what you did in your role and what Tig did in his role and what Ubin did in his role yeah, yeah. all led to that final moment. And, you know, knowing that Glenn died a hero, uh, selfishly, knowing that Glenn gave it to the enemy yeah. or he got it and knowing that he knocked down a couple motherfuckers along the way and bad guys died at, at good people's hands. Um, that's the savage part of this that I look at and I go, I'm so glad to know that he, he gave it and that the tide gave it to those guys and that the enemy got it bad. That they didn't bad. Have it. it wasn't a walk in the park for them. No. And that's the only reason why they had to bring the mortars. Cause every time they would try to come in, they, we would just chew them up. Yeah. And, and I still love, I, I still remember Glenn, not from that. My main, whenever I think of it is he's the first guy on that roof. Everybody else went in the building. He, there was not even a second thought. He was, he was just, it was like watching. Okay, here's the group going in the building, and he's already going. All right, where's how do I get up on the roof so I can help? Because he he knew we needed breaks. We had been up there forever. He's the only one that came up on the roofs to, to at least spell us. That's it. And that's like, a, like helping others. So there's a DNA thing, and maybe this is a good time to pivot because because Ian, I, I know we we, we were gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to transition somewhat to Bubs. And, and by the way, Chris has the Bubs shirt on. And and Bubs is a product that, I mean, genuinely, I've been using since I first met you. I remember I was sitting with you. You put some in my water and you were like, yeah, it dissolves that easy. And I've been using it ever since. And I mean, a- as a personal trainer, which I was doing up until uh, pretty recently, I mean, I've introduced other people to Bubs. And, and as Chris said um, before we brought you on, I mean, not only with him with having ulcerative colitis, there's been a ton of whey proteins, and I have whey protein now and again, but there have been a ton that even me, someone who's not lactose intolerant or anything, that that lactose just does not sit well with me at all. You never have any of those problems with bubs because it's collagen and it's grass-fed collagen, and it's really just the best product out there for not only muscle recovery, but skin, 
parrot, male, so many other things that collagen is crucial. Look at that in the fountain of youth, man. Whoa. Check this out. I'm 50 years old. Both of you got. Look at this, man. I'm 50. Ian, you're a pup. You're 50 today. Happy birthday. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I look like I'm 20 something. I'm I'm 34, about to be 35. So. Benjamin fucking this ass. That's it. <laughs> I, I, so well, we can pivot in. But how did you? I, I, before we go, I'll tell you one more story that I got. It's a good story in Tripoli, but but um, I was but how how the hell did you get into the? You're doing all this stuff, and now you're in pro. How did you get in the protein, and how'd you figure that out? That collagen protein, because that's that's not an easy thing to to crack. So so obviously, like here we are. It's 2017. Um, Glenn and Benghazi, the dust was settling. Yeah. Foundation had gotten started. It, it had very much plateaued. It was a smaller group. Yeah. Just It just wasn't really – it was just kind of chugging along. And this is where I give Evan Hafer some props because Evan invited me on to his podcast, uh, the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. I did an episode in like, I don't know, it was like March 2017, earlier than that. I don't know. It was like I was out there skiing, uh, snowboarding, and you know, I, I went down to his office, met him, and we recorded a podcast. He was like, hey, man, that'd be great. Like let's – Let's record something. And we talk about charitable giving in the podcast. And I, you know, basically say how it's a very small operation. No one's really getting paid. It's not really about that. It's about helping others. Yeah. And one thing was left out of that conversation that that one takeaway that I had was wouldn't it be nice if we could institutionalize giving somehow? Because people aren't always charitable. Like you gotta sometimes really reach in and grab money out of someone's wallet. And it was just a takeaway. It was a thought. Wouldn't it be nice to institutionalize giving somehow? All right. So that take that and put it aside. Then I come home from that trip and my wife had bought me a jar of collagen protein off of Amazon. I said, what the hell? Now, keep in mind, everything I knew about supplements, I had learned from Bub. I learned from Glenn. We had mason jars on our counter. The one was whey protein, one was a hydration beverage, like a hydration powder, one was Metamucil because you got to stay regular, and, and we had these mason jars, and I didn't always know what was in what, but Glenn would be like, yo, man, we're going to go CrossFit today, take the whey protein. Hey, we're going to go run a 10K, take the hydration stuff. Uh, we had chili last night, take the Metamucil. <laughs> take the Metamucil. <laughs> that's it. Like That was my supplement knowledge. I, I knew about creatine. I knew about the different stuff. But if Glenn didn't have it on the counter, I never took it. Um, I was that guy. I was I was not very progressive when it came to supplementation. Um, and when it came to collagen, my wife had heard about collagen, reading some health blogs, some nutrition. said, it's great for hair, skin, and nails. It's great for joint health. And so she's like, joint health? So she reads about it and she's like, your knees – sound like crinkled newspaper when you walk up a flight of stairs. And admittedly, I was just turning 45. I felt horrible. Like I just felt achy and, and off. And so I said, you know what? I'll try this stuff. And it was a very pure data driven experiment. I didn't do anything else differently. I just entered this product into my life every day as the instruction said. And in three weeks, a month in, my fingernails were growing like I was growing. Yeah, it was great. I was like, I'm the Wolverine. <laughs> when you're a guy, that's irritating. You gotta find the nail clippers and clip your nails. 
but it was a data point and it was written right on the side of the jar of this brand. It said, you know, stronger nails. And then I needed a haircut a week later and I just got a haircut. So I'm like, I need another haircut. I just got it. I know. Okay. Two data points in the first month and about seven weeks later, like taking the product every day, I got out of bed one day. We had to like go on an airline flight. You know, you're cramped up in the airplane. I yeah, yeah. airplane, airplane <clears throat> bags. I'm moving around. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God, nothing hurts. There's no pain, right? And Shoulders, death. Yeah. Flick the switch. And I was like, I feel amazing. I'm like squatting and moving. And I'm like, I feel so good. <laughs> and I made a joke with my wife. I'm like, this is just the kind of thing Glenn would have taken. And so fast forward another month, I'm feeling better and better and better. And this is the only thing I'm doing. Now, keep in mind, all that collagen is, is one single ingredient. It's ground up cowhide. That's it. There's nothing. To well, and if I could throw something out there in your product, it's ground, um, you know, grass fed cowhide. But I believe, and you would know better than me, aren't there collagen products that are just like, it's a lot of crap thrown in there that you really don't want in there of animal part. Yeah. Without taking a shot at the low hanging brands on Amazon, I will say this. You get what you pay for. Yeah. yeah. You get what you pay for. <clears throat> and so collagen is this amazing thing. It's a protein. It's the most abundant protein in the human body. I didn't know this right. back then. I just took it. My wife told me to. But it turns out collagen is the most abundant protein in your body. Your bones, your hair, your skin, your nails, your intestines, your muscles, your joints. That's, all, that's the majority of your body. Collagen is a glue. It holds the body together. As you age, your body produces less and less collagen. So you turn 25, man, you're done producing collagen. You turn 30, eh, it starts to hurt a little bit. You turn 35, you turn 40, you turn 45. And there's a lot of things out there that come back to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I use it. Yep. 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 Collagen teaches your body to reproduce that collagen cycle and, you know, and help with your joints, help with your muscle recovery, help with your intestines, like your gut health. Chris, we've talked about that a bunch. Like yeah, you're yeah. back to, you know, a, a level of regularity that you haven't had. Uh, yeah. You're, and, and actually stepping it up as to getting it out there and back to running. Yeah, I said, I totally, I out there again, running four miles, then coming back and doing sprints, doing sprint stations for another three or four miles while I'm doing whatever body part I want to work out. And that's, that's how I worked when I was a GRS. Yeah. That's, you know, that's how I did it. And, and, and doing, you know, getting the pull-ups and the push-ups back into, or actually I can do a hundred pull-ups, not in a row, Wow, <laughs> but I can, <laughs> that's I'll, do, still a lot. I'll do sets and it's still, when it was hurting, when I wasn't on it, I couldn't because it's just in pain. Yeah. And I already know he's talking real pull-ups, not. Yeah, not, oh, no, I'm not going to get into the kips. I'm not getting into the kips. <laughs> dead, dead hang. But that's when I knew that, yeah, I'm not doing the kipping. I'm doing the dead hang. But that's when I, this was like, holy shit. Because my elbows weren't hurting. My shoulders weren't hurting. And now I, I can. I'll do, I'll do ladders one to 10, then 10 back on down. That's 110 pull-ups. In between everything else I'm doing. It's amazing. So I've got. I'm having that experience, like everything you're talking about. And obviously like I'm big on CrossFit. I love the community. I love what it can do for you. And, and I was breaking down. I wasn't able to do what I used to be able to do. And I was like, Oh man, is this it? Is this the getting older thing? So two months on this product, 
And I'm like, I'm in for life. I will buy college in the rest of my life. This is the good stuff. I'm so down for this. And I'm like, that's this is a lifestyle change. I got 10 years back on my life. Yeah. I take yeah. this product. And next thing you know, my future business partner, a guy named TJ, comes over to the house. We were working on a couple of work projects. I knew him from Seal Fit. He was like just the same kind of guy, like wanted to work hard, wanted to play hard. And we, we both had this drive in us to, to do something. And he sees the jar of collagen and he looks at me and he's like, you take that stuff? And just like we just said, I tell him how great I feel and how good it is and how amazing it is. And, you know, it dissolves right away or it actually didn't that brand. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, looks at me, he's like, well, let's start a company. Uh, I'm like, sure, sure. Let's start a company. (laughs) Uh, What does it look like? And we both look at each other. There's a pause. And this is like, I, I will never forget this moment the rest of my life. We look at each other. We both said at the exact same time, well, we got to do something cool for charity. That's it. It was like the, the oh, Jinx, you owe me a Coke moment. when you yeah. <laughs> And I just paused and I looked at him and I said, well, shit. I know the charity. Yeah. It's got to be Glenn's charity. And Glenn's call sign in the Navy was Bub. We'll name the company Bub's Naturals as a tribute to Glenn and his way of life. And we'll give 10% of everything we do to charity. And we were like, yeah. And, you know, Glenn, <laughs> going back to that rooftop and going back to who Glenn was in his DNA, Glenn was all about self-improvement and Glenn was all about helping others. Helping others, yeah. Like, so these two things were like in, in that five-minute conversation were woven into the DNA of the brand. Collagen stands for self-improvement. Collagen is going to make you better. We are going to give 10% to support charities. We're going to give 10% to support our military. We are going to do that. So as a byproduct, you're always helping others. And then we're like, does anyone care? And we didn't know. So we set out to find the best flavored, best solubility, best in class product that we could go to market with because I wasn't going to put Glenn's name on the jar if it wasn't the absolute best. And we, you know, we called Glenn's family. We called guys that Glenn served with in the teams. And we're like, is this a good idea? Like, do we have everyone's like buying? That's, but that's, that's what you did to make it a good idea is you let everybody know you didn't just do it. Oh no, no, I didn't. I didn't do it until they gave me their clear word. Yeah. The word came back from almost everyone. They all said almost the same thing. They're like, Glenn would kick your ass if you do this. <laughs> and and that's that awesome. we set out on the journey. And, you know, I met Ian very early on. Um, you know, we, we, we sat down and talked about it. I had just gotten started. It was like this wild six-month journey into becoming a, a business owner. And I, I was a hired gun marketing guy. Next thing you know, I'm learning about supply chain and how to source the best product and you know, TJ, for his part, is a genius on digital. He knows how to get the product into Amazon, how to advertise it, how to put it on the website, how to build the best website, where to put the buy button, how to tell the story like digitally. 
And I, I believe if you go to Amazon, I, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, I believe if you go to Amazon and you just look up collagen protein, you guys are like right there at the top. We, 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 we aspire to be. And I hope that you're doing this right now in real time. And yes, because uh, that's a good day. Um, yeah, we, 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 are. we are. We are. We're searched in there. We're Amazon's choice. So we get the little Amazon badge. Yeah. I don't know why they chose us, but I love it that they did. Um, and it's been this amazing journey. We've we've launched a couple of products and we have a rule. Everything we make is designed to help you improve yourself, to be better, to level up. And it's all about self-improvement. So, you know, we did the MCT oil powder, the healthy fat coffee, awesome. your, your new favorite awesome. non-dairy creamer for energy yeah. and mental focus. Awesome. Um, we have the collagen is the core of, of the company. Uh, we're just launching apple cider vinegar uh, as a oh, nice. I, I actually I, I need that. So, yeah, that's awesome. I because I'm a big I'm a big proponent of you know, the cleansing of whether it's there's colon cleansing and liver detoxing. And and like the very last stage of that, if you look at the process in which you're supposed to do it is, I believe it's really the blood. And that's what you detox with apple cider, apple cider vinegar. Yes. Yep. And, and, and I've tried it. I've taken a shot of apple cider vinegar. I would rather drink El Toro tequila <laughs> that is the best tequila you can find. Oh so like and drink apple cider vinegar. I mean, it is horrible, but the health benefits are amazing. Yeah. So, so that's it. Like, what what are the things we can do that stand for self improvement? You know, from a charitable standpoint, you know, I I always want to. I struggle with that because I want to be able to do more, and I get pissed off when we can't. Um, you know, we've donated a hundred and. $14,500 or something to date. Um, we've gone through some growing pains, you know, like that you're growing, but you're not profitable when you're growing necessarily, which scales back the giving. Um, but now we're hell bent on making that profitability like job number one so we can give more. And and that's the feel good part. Like that's the mojo part that's like, we're, we know we're changing lives. Like we get these reviews back. When every time I get an email from Chris, Dude, it just warms my day up because it's not like, hey, cool T-shirt. This is awesome. It's, bro, I just ran five miles and I did knocked out a hundred push-ups, chest to deck. I feel great, <laughs> and that's like that's what I respond to. I'm like, yeah, like this. Uh, that's good. Well, I watch it because I, I, it works, man. This stuff, it, it works, and it's, it's amazing. And like, I'm back to where I. Not that I want to leave my family anymore. I'm done. I'm done deploying. I, I I missed the 2017. I did a deployment. I missed Halloween. I'm done. But if I had to, I could scale those walls again for 400 meters and get in that compound if I had to. And that's that's why it means so much to me, dude. And and, and the the message the message is great, but the product is the best out there. Thank is you. hands down, yeah. hands down. And your goal, knowing that you could say that and do that and and get that mobility and endurance and fire going like that inspires me to do this and, and, and share Glenn's legacy, share bub and share that experience. Like I, I guarantee you two thirds of the people that buy the product have no effing idea who Glenn was or what he's gone through. But if I can positively impact their lives and, and help them make a healthy decision, then I am sharing Glenn's legacy through them. They just don't even know it. And it's awesome. It's feel good stuff. And and I never thought I would do this. I didn't aspire to be in a role of doing this. But once we had proof of concept and we sold out of our first 
jar, which is Ian's fault because he he put us on the radio and <laughs> we that's so cool. We're like, uh oh, we, we better order two more. <laughs> um, but it's been amazing, and and to be able to to connect Chris with you and with Ian and like my my newer friends and people that I've met and and to to see this positive wave um, pour out there is is it's worth it, man. That's all. Yeah. I really hope that this show could do the same. I mean, if this audience gets out there and we're growing this audience and, and supports you and supports the foundation, it, it's definitely a win-win. And, and in terms of the message, I always like whenever you're doing something outdoors, something that's like a great physical activity, whether it's going hiking or going skiing, you always end the photo with Glenn would, uh, Bub would do it. Bub would go. Bub would go. Uh, Bub would go. Bub would go. Yes. And uh, yes. that's it. That's part of the cult of recreationalism. That's that tie back. And, you know, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. I- well, I, your, your ads are great too. Like when the Tiger King was a big deal on Netflix, you, I got that ad and I, I did for a second, like, Holy shit. Is this real? Can they actually give me a thousand grams of protein with one spoonful? And like, <laughs> Oh shit. They're just kidding with me. All right. We'll, we'll play Bubs naturals. We'll play John. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. You got me. I tell you what, Tiger King collagen on April fools, that whole campaign. Cause like we, we did our homepage. We did an email, blast, that, yeah. threw it on social. Yep. And like the people that loved it, loved it. But there was a few people that were like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, fuck them. Oh, yeah. Fuck them. Oh, we, fuck that's them. great, man. No, I, and I really do love the whole message of everything. Actually, one question I wanted to ask you, I don't want to end it on a negative thing. And I know Chris had another thing, but I'm just wondering from your perspective, because um, I've said it to Chris, does it piss you off at all when you do see it? I'm not going to throw out brand names there unless you want to. But I mean, there have been T-shirts sold and things like that with Glenn Doherty's name on it. and. Unlike what you're doing, none of it goes to charity. None of it goes to his family. And it's just like, you know, if you want to do a Benghazi shirt or something or, you know, do something with Chris's name, if he, you know, he's alive to tell you, give you his blessing, that's that's different. But I do feel like, like, I would never put out a Battle Line podcast shirt with Glenn Doherty's name yeah. unless we were doing something for you. I just don't think it's the right thing. So I wrote... Again, I've got an amazing attorney named Michael Mortensen uh, who was with K&L back then. And he's still my attorney. Like, I love this guy. He's, he's become a very close friend. Initially, when that was happening, the first round of it, there was like apparel companies that came up out of nowhere. Yeah. To me, I wasn't familiar with them. They were dropping T-shirts and putting Glenn and Ty and Ambassador Stevens and Sean Smith's name on T-shirts. And my first role was cease and desist every one of them like hammer those guys i have softened that position over time and i realized that you know i'm never going to remove politics from and 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 that sense of indignation that is going to live in this country i have pulled back from that cease and desist of like hey you're not doing anything for the foundation you're not doing anything for the family like you haven't asked permission. You and that's really it. Like, and that comes back to the Michael Bay stuff. I didn't want to make money off Michael Bay making the movie, and I didn't want to put money into the estate. It wasn't about money. I wanted him to ask permission. I wanted him to make a gesture. Send Barbara Doherty, Glenn's mother, some flowers. Like that is this old school East Coast appreciation. Like well, as a, we we assume I don't know. We'd assume they were doing that. It's our stupid. It's our stupidity getting into that as well. Like when you're getting this line of work, you trust people. I trust if 
It's like, well, they, they got to be doing the right thing. Yeah. Come on. They're, they asked us. It's water they, under the bridge. Like it, it happened. And that was, that was me then. Well, that same feistiness was what I was pouring into the t-shirt companies doing their thing. And then I kind of took a step back from myself and I said, hey, and like, is this really worth it? Am I burning people's time and energy? Because I'm not going to change their worldview. They felt fired up enough about this to make a t-shirt and try and you know create some energy around this topic, not for the reasons that I would have, but am I am I really serving sure. Sure. legacy by by fighting back and barking at them? So I did it a few times and then I stopped. I was like, you know what? If people gain awareness, maybe they watch the movie as a result of seeing a t-shirt. Maybe they get curious and Google it and maybe they get more educated on the great heroic that happened that day. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And that's kind of the legacy stance that I've, I've kind of, you know, found myself in, which is like, yeah, I don't really necessarily like it, but I, I get it. Like that guy, there's a guy in orange County who made those shirts. Hillary killed my friends. Yeah. He was friends. When. <clears throat> he was friends with Ty. He worked with them, a project Warpath, And I, I give him full props. Like I met him. We did a workout together at, at his gym. Oddly enough, I just walked in the door and he was wearing the shirt. I'm like, the hell did you get that shirt? He's like, I made it. Yeah. I'm like, hi, I'm Sean. I'm, you know, Glenn's been a friend. He's like, love Glenn. And, and that was it. Like, I was like, that's cool. I like what you're doing in your own way. It's, it's different for everyone. But like, yeah, Ian, just to, to put a bow on it, I'm good with it now. I wasn't then. Um, if I really want to dig into it, I, I'd probably throw a little shit around, but, um, Tonto, you said you had one more thing about, about, yeah, yeah. I just want, before you end up here and I, I agree with what you said, I was the same way. Now I'm like, and the project, actually, somebody just asked me about project Warpath. Like, do you know them? I'm like, Hey, they're, they're good. They, he was friends with Bob. Don't worry about the shirt. They, good. So, um, but, um, and this, I don't know how funny you're going to think it is. I just know it was one of the last things I always, I still remember, we were in Tripoli at the time, and and we were supposed to go to Sebha, south of of Tripoli, to do an op. And we're Bob was always funny, but he was common sense. I was a goof. I thought I had some common sense as well. And I remember the, we're going out there and we're doing our mic checks, our comm checks. And usually, you want to have a, a primary role for comms, a secondary in case the primary goes down, or a tertiary, and then you leave it at that. Well, we're sitting in there. We're the only ones in the team room. And we're actually watching Black Dynamite. We're watching Black Dynamite. <laughs> we're the only only two here. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. And we're like, where is everybody? They're all outside running radio checks on all these different radios. I think there were eight sets of – I mean, we're, I don't know what the word is for having eight levels of comms. And I look at Bub and he looks at me and I go, are they doing radio checks out there? And he's like, yeah, those fucking idiots. <laughs> like – are you kidding me, man? And and we're like, we're just late. I go, we've got three, we got three comms, right? Three sets of comms, three levels. He goes, yeah, we do. I go, so what are they doing? He's like, and you know, he's just like, I don't fucking know. And like, and like, yeah, those fucking retard. I, I, excuse me. Sorry guys. I, but I did for those fucking retards. And we just went back to watching black dynamite where everybody else was running around with their heads cut off. But that was the thing with Bub is that as the one guy where I could look at Bub and, he still maintained his common sense and he didn't fall in, fall into it. And, and, but when he needed to be a goof, he was a goof like me. And, and I, not that we were best friends. We weren't, we, we just, yeah, we just got along. you we had that friends. time together. Yeah. Just like Ian had that time with him. And you know, like I'm grateful that I got all this time with him and everyone who had, you could be, you could have known him for 30 minutes and you walked away with a story and an experience 
and, and you remembered it. We meet thousands of people in our lives that we will never remember. He's one of the good ones, man. So we're lucky we had him as long as we had him. And, you know, that, that's it. Like it's, it's awesome. And the fact that it, there's humor in it and, and that there's, you know, there's stuff like that. Like, yeah, the common sense. Like, yeah, that was him. Oh, yeah. And it makes you be better. He'll make you level up. He'll crack a joke. Like, he'll have all that shit all wrapped in one package. That's pretty cool. And, and I'm excited to, you know, to be a part of it. I, I, I knew, you know, soon, early on that I would have Glenn in my life the rest of my life. I have him through our friends. I have him through our family. Uh, you know, I have him through experiences like this, which are, are really healing and, and feel great for me. And, um, you know, I have him through Bubs. I have him through the brand. And I'm going to drive that forward and share that and help change lives. And, and it, you know, it's, it's a warm fuzzy in there and, you know, help others along the way. It's, it's cool shit, man. It's been traded. Yeah, no, that's an amazing way of putting it. Great hearing these stories. We went an hour longer. I know, Gene. This, this says, uh, are you still around? Automatically logging off. So I had to click that. This is the longest we've ever gone. So that so, makes sense. But, but, um, John, thanks, man. Thanks for, yeah. for talking this long. Appreciate so, it. So, no, we, we really appreciate it. The audience really appreciates it. So I have to throw out there one last time, man. Check out bubsnaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE and you're going to get 20% off. 10% of all that goes to charity, as we just discussed. Uh, GlennDohertyFoundation.org. You can follow Bubs on Instagram and Twitter at Bubs Naturals. Follow uh, Sean himself on Instagram at SLakeO. Happy 50th birthday, man. Yeah. Uh, this was just a great show. I, I mean, last episode I said, oh, we went we went so long, but I think this is the longest we've gone. And it's we went an hour over what Chris wanted to, but I mean, we had to. No, That's it. Look, I'm here, to, I'm here to break the records. That's it. I wanted Glenn wanted to break the record. And he <laughs> timelines along <laughs> all about it, so. uh, it's all right. They'll get over it. Uh, come on, don't you? Don't, you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? I'm kidding. I'm giving you. Don't you know? Who I, think I am. You know? I think. Uh, so, uh, yeah. For all you guys out there, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you really enjoyed this one. It means a lot to us. Um, shirts are still available as always. Tontosgearlocker.com. We got mugs coming soon. I can show Sean the mugs. They they look really badass. Ooh. Um, those will be up soon. Ooh, and then the next, yeah, the next show is uh, guest free. So send your emails to battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Any questions you have for us, we'll answer. And the lineup for this next month is tremendous. It, it's We got some of the biggest guests that we've ever booked coming on. So thanks again, Sean. John, awesome. And John. Uh, I got to take a piss after all that. This was, this was a long one. <laughs> hey, John, thanks. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Keep doing great. You're doing great things. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs>